Welcome back to the highly unanticipated, very unprofessional, and extremely boring podcast you always knew you didn't need, Learning Lutheran, where we are learning the distinctives of the Lutheran faith. In this episode, I am just sitting down having an unscripted conversation with one of my friends who I met on Twitter who happens to live near me. And we met because of a guy in New York on Twitter when both of us live in Texas. But he is more on the Reformed Baptist side of things, and obviously I'm coming from more of a Lutheran perspective. But we had a nice civil conversation. It was tons of fun. We actually did it live in a coffee shop that is near our house, kind of in between the both of us. So thank you, Orange Grove Coffee in Orange, Texas. If you are in this area, you should definitely go there and support their business. So it should go without saying it's going to be noisy. We obviously couldn't have them cancel their work days. There's people coming in. There's orders being placed. Blenders or whatever they use is going off. So all that I'm sure is in the background. I haven't actually listened to it. But just keep that in mind. This wasn't done in a quiet bedroom, but was done live in public. So without further ado, you're going to want to make yourself comfortable going a long trip because this is a long episode surpassing three hours. So let's cue the music and get the conversation started. Do whatever, but I do am thinking about just titling it so a Baptist and a Lutheran walk into a coffee bar. Hey, that's good. I like it. I like it. Uh, it's kind of funny though, because like, I mean, you're not wrong, but then I'm also carrying a copy of the Westminster. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and so I've only been, I could, I've only been calling myself a Lutheran for, I don't, I don't even know, but uh, I think that first time we met up, I had either just you had just started had just, going. Yep. Well, no, no. I think when we first met up, I had just officially, either just officially joined. That's or, right. Or was I was about to. You guys had, I want to say you had officially joined, and I think the following Lord's Day, you guys were about to, to baptize one of your one of your children. No, we uh, we baptized you? them that day. Okay. The, the day we we joined. That's right. And uh, and then the following Lord's Day, 
I wound up being in the hospital with pneumonia, sepsis, That's right, and yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff. And that wound up being that would have been my first Easter oh, man. as a communing member in that church. Man. And it has it been up. that long since we met up? Yeah, it was like April. Good night, dude. And uh, but I've been one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately is is baptism mm-hmm. and I know we were talking about how it's a heated debate off, sure. off mic but I, I've even was been listening to some some sermons local sermons and from of how I would have used to held and just to just because I'm trying I'm still tr- I'm trying to work out the the Lutheran side of it right uh and then trying to see like where I came from, and then right. like the the, and then the more because I I've never actually been in a reformed church, but once, even though that's kind of where I was really at. Yeah. Uh. But man, like the one sermon I listened to was just it was awful, and like I watched the whole like their their whole thing. Like, it showed, like, all the music, so, it, like, the whole service. Right. And, like, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I posted uh, for, to one of the guys who brought up his son seeing a full immersion baptism and thought that he was being drowned. Did you see that? No. <laughs> and, well, I was like, so it made me think of that. So I went back, and I took a little screenshot. They legitimately... WWE style, like choke like, slammed this dude into the water, like yeah. brought him up out of the water, choke slammed him down, and I was like, "Where's the reverence in this? Like, right. you're this is just Jesus is my homeboy, and yep. God's not holy." Right. No. Yeah. And, it's. So I mean, I know last time we got together, we talked pretty extensively about baptism uh, yeah because like i've been i've been on the whole baptism debate train for like two years now yeah um, we're coming up on two years um you know and anyway we'll get to that i'm sure at some (laughs) point but uh um there is at least when you look online um with with the broader uh call it what you want charismatic movement or, or what have you yeah um just a, a lack of reverence for the things of God, mm-hmm. and that's that's not exclusive to the Charismatics, but also to to just broader evangelicalism, right? Yeah, we, we've we've turned church into a spectacle. Um, worship is not about making much of Christ for His glory and for our good, but it's about us having a good time and being entertained. Baptism is a show rather than um, a, a holy ordinance or sacrament to, to yeah. be administered to a believer um, or to their children, depending on where you land on the debate, right? And so it's it's this, especially, right, in those circles, it's typically believer's baptism, but we've made it into a spectacle where I've seen churches, they've got, a, like, a, it's almost like a swimming pool with a waterfall and, like, yeah. you have, like, the WWE <laughs> smack or, um, like, I'm pr- I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, but there is, I've been told of a church that has a zip line into their baptistry. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, and like, 
what does that say and what does that communicate about what we think about Christ and what baptism mm. is and you know I that's those are my questions when it comes to, to those issues yeah but, uh, and and like coming from a more Lutheran perspective on it now like I noticed we or at least what I grew up in we would divorce Christ and his death and resurrection from baptism Okay. and Lutherans well first off let me ask like in your position, who's doing the baptism? Who's doing the baptism? Yeah. What, what do you mean? Like, like the fit, like the literal baptism? Like when when we baptize? Like a, when an you're individual? just when you're being baptized? Like, right. I guess thinking of it in a Lutheran perspective, I'm already in a step ahead of okay. where I'm trying to go. But like, I grew up in the pastor's doing the baptism sure and and then I'm being baptized okay and like uh, that's just how I've always thought it but like being in the Lutheran church it's Christ is doing the baptism okay the pastor is just a vessel that he's using okay and then I'm still the one being baptized. Right. right and right. that that's how they go into the whole uh, baptismal regeneration is, is because it, it's not divorced from all that. And it, it's it's God doing it. And uh, once once I started thinking of it in, in that terms, it started kind of okay. clicking on me and seeing like, okay, so, so this is... This is, uh, this can be a baptismal regeneration of it, it being true. Okay. And one of the key verses that that helped me realize, like, kind of snap out, like, hey, this baptism isn't uh, isn't divorced from all this. Okay. Is uh, Romans chapter six. I'll be reading from a New King James. I actually wound up recently switching to it. You're reading from the what? New King James. The New King. The New King Jimmy. Yeah. Does uh, Does Keith still use it? He does. Uh, my evangelism professor. He 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 read from the New King James, and he would always call it the New King Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would refer to the 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 KJV as the King James, but since it's newer, he called it the New yeah. King Jimmy. <laughs> oh man, this cable's so short. It cracked me up every time. No, but I'm going to start in verse 1 and just read through verse 4. And what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
And like that, that verse, whenever I've read the Romans a hundred times before, you know, right. I, I grew up in the church. My grandpa was a Baptist pastor, uh, Calvinistic and soteriology. Um, and it, so I, like, I, I grew up with all this and I'd seen that verse a hundred times, but I'd never have I actually put it with baptism, like okay. united it with Christ and his death and like baptism together. And, um, but, but how, how would you take that? So reading through Romans, let me, let me see if I have any. So we've got two Bibles. Um, so this, like when you think of, everybody has like their Bible, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, when you think of the, my Bible, you think of whichever Bible yeah. you use primarily. This is the Bible that I used when I started actually reading the Bible and like it's got notes and all sorts of stuff in it. Like I've, I've had this rebound twice. It's the Bible <laughs> I, I took through seminary. This is the Bible I got like two-thirds of the way through seminary. Um, doesn't yeah. have as many notes and stuff. Um, but sometimes I have markings and notes that are helpful on certain things. Um, anyway, <clears throat> Romans 6, 1, 1 to 4. Um, right, obviously, he's continuing his argument in Romans, right? Um, yeah. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Um, if we have died to sin, how can we still live in it? Uh, right, so he's, he's, he's asking, it's a, it's a rhetorical question, right? If we have, if we have, if we have died to sin, if we have, mm -hmm. I, I think he's, he's assuming, right, we've been regenerated, we've been buried in baptism with Christ, and we've been raised with him. How, how can those who are in Christ continue to live as unregenerate people, right? Yeah. Um, He's like, how can we still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into the death in which, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, it, it, I mean, from, from, and I'm sure you've, you've got something that maybe I haven't even considered or thought through, but from, from, from my reading, he's... I mean, he's asking several questions here, but I mean, it seems to be that he's that in insofar as we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into His death. We are buried with Him in baptism, mm -hmm. um, right? So I think of um, where 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 is is it First Corinthians, where where Paul says, "I have been crucified with Christ," right? Right in. Is that, is that First Corinthians? Uh, I think, yeah. Something like that. It's Paul. <laughs> it's. I'm pretty sure it's Paul. Um, right, but he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who have Christ in me. I think that kind of yeah. is, is the thought. Um, right, that he, you're buried with Christ in baptism, mm -hmm. and you're raised um, from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we might walk in newness of life. So I think it has something to, to speak of, of the regenerate nature of the yeah. believer and so on. No, no, I can, I can see that, but that's, that's probably a better explanation than 
I ever really have heard from being in a Baptist church, Methodist church, and sure. uh, which I never considered myself a Methodist. I just married one and then <laughs> happened to be in there for, for 10 years. Yep. And, um, but let me grab the catechism real quick. I got Luther's, you got the Westminster. Yeah, we just got, we're, I mean, I got the, the confession and the, the larger and shorter catechism, so we got, we got it all, dude. Yeah, I've got, I've got the large catechism in my back. There you go. Uh, so, in, in Luther's small catechism, First, under under baptism, the sacrament of holy baptism, mm-hmm. very first question is, what is baptism? And Luther states, baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. Read that again for me. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. Okay. And I think it's Ephesians chapter 5. I wish it would include the, the references, uh, scripture references that they're pulling from. if it's my headphones but every now and then it just sounds like it cuts out am i supposed to hear you in my headphones i thought you were you don't i don't hear you at all do you hear yourself i can hear myself i just can't hear you on my headphones it, i, don't I might have a setting wrong in that's here. all right i mostly talk to myself <laughs> um i thought it was ephesians chapter five Are you looking for what? What are you looking for in Ephesians? Is it the put on the new self? No. Um, but uh, Ephesians chapter five. I'm going to start in verse twenty-five and read on. But husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word Mm -hmm. that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish and uh so that that's where uh luther's getting his his answer from it's it's god's command combined with god's word okay and uh to to throw some reference in there he's not just pulling it out of a hat okay no, that, that helps because, I mean, that's why catechisms are useful, especially yeah. if they have scripture references, um, right? Because it, it probably does have the have scripture like reference because yeah. in the, the whole catechism isn't very, the small catechism isn't very long. It's only like 30, right. 40 pages. Oh, wow. And then the rest of this is just, an explanation, which is post-Luther. This is more right. modern, Okay. this side of it. 
Uh, so, so this this side would be authoritative in the Lutheran Church. Yeah. This side, not necessarily. Right. Okay. But yeah, because I mean, anybody can can make an assertion about here's what baptism is. Right. Um, take take mm-hmm. for instance, I I could be wrong on this, but I believe so. I didn't know, but the Salvation Army is a denomination. They're not yeah. like just like a thrift store. Yeah, They're they, an actual denomination. They actually come out of the Wesleyan movement. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. The, and the like the Nazarene church that's down the road, yep. they come out of the Wesleyan I knew well. that. So, But uh, the Salvani- Salvation Army, they do not do any type of water baptism. Mm-mm. When you when you are baptized, you, you get up on the stage, you confess the faith underneath yeah. the, the Salvation Army flag, and that's you are mm-hmm. that's baptism. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. You can assert that that's baptism all day long, mm-hmm. but until you demonstrate it in holy writ, and, yeah, you, exactly. I, I, right. Th- then we can't even have a discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least from my perspective, because yeah, you know, same here. No, we're, I agree. if we're standing on the authority of God's word, we, we ought to base our thing, our our doctrine and teachings yeah. upon the word of God. And so, right. Big fan of shopping at the Salvation Army. Um, yeah. <laughs> big, big fan of thrifting, but, but so that be yeah, I, I, I can see, perhaps, how that that kind of begins to, to take shape. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, at least from my from my background, I've never like heavily dipped my toe into Lutheranism. I've been yeah. to a Lutheran church one time. Uh, it was up in Higginsville, Missouri. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, uh, LCMS. Mm-hmm. I was encouraged, um, right? I mean, I went, formal liturgy. Um, yeah. Some of it, I was just like, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. Or, or But mm-hmm. but I think the, the big takeaway that, that I had from, from the... From going to the the church was, I mean, they have a high reverence for being the people of God, gathering on the Lord's day, and it wasn't casual. It yeah, was we are the people of God, gathering for the glory of God mm-hmm. and the good of His people to, to sing praises to God, yeah. to worship God, mm-hmm. and not hang out, drink coffee, and have fun. Yeah, you know? and that that was one of the attractive things for me to it. And whenever we first started going, it was because it comes down to God's providence, really, because we had left the the Methodist church because of everything that was going on in it. We started going to a a Baptist church, and it was uh, more IFB, or not more, it it was was IFB, and which is what I, I grew up in, the IFB, but it was more a Calvinistic soteriology, though Calvin would have declared us heretics and all that. Uh, <laughs> but but our our soteriology was very Calvinistic. And uh, then I go here, and that I didn't know much about the IFB outside of what I grew up in. Sure. So I called up the pastor and was like, hey, can we meet? And he was like, yeah, because I wanted to ask him a bunch of questions. Like, like what's the God? I don't remember what all I asked, but I was like, What's the gospel and like how how is one saved? Right. I just asked him some questions. We wound up talking for about an hour and a half or so, and on the phone it was just for about fifteen minutes, just letting them know where I was coming from. Sure. And then I bring up, I was like, oh man, uh, said something about like 
the Armenians or something. And <laughs> and then he was like, well, <laughs> was like, we're not Calvinists here. I was like, oh, yeah. uh, I just I thought IFB was. Right. And, uh, and uh, so anytime he brought up like soteriology or, or Calvinist in a sermon, he would like look directly at me, which I had, I had nothing against that. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that didn't bother me. Right. Uh, I just thought it was funny that he would look at me every time it got brought up, and uh, which wasn't like too too terribly often, right? But uh, but it happened, and then, uh, but but then I just started noticing, like I guess after the the honeymoon phase ended, right. I started noticing like little red flags here, and every now and then like a big red flag. Wasn't this the guy that that said Jesus never died; he lives forever? That, that's, yeah, I remember yeah, we that talked was, about that last that time. Yeah, that was uh, the final straw. Right. I can actually... You've got the video. Yeah, I remember I got, we, you gonna, showed me the video last time when we were in Starbucks. Yeah, he, 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 he says, Jesus never died. Yeah. Doesn't he say it's a lie from the devil to say that Jesus actually died? I, I don't I don't remember, remember that, exactly. No, that was, that was another Okay, that was a different one. You. But he said, yeah, um, he said, Jesus never died. He lives, he, he lives forevermore, something along those lines. And like I... I'm going to play the clip. Go ahead. But I'm going to connect my phone first so okay. you can go ahead and keep talking. Yeah. Uh, just so it can. Yeah, yeah, so you can, can get it in there. But, like, so, you know, and and last time we, we met up, you, you had talked through, you know, this is not the first issue. And every, I think I think I could, I can say every pastor has a slip of the tongue at yeah, least yeah. once in ministry. I don't care if you're R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, whoever, right? Name your guy. At some point, you're going, something's going to come out of your mouth that's not exactly correct. And so, like, if this were the first thing, you know, maybe in the heat of the moment, right, especially knowing the IFB, they're going to be a little more zealous, a little more um, preach it, brother, yelling from the pulpit kind of thing. And so, yeah. you know, to He's getting at the the eternal rule and reign of Christ now at the right hand of the Father that he lives forevermore and so on. But and so I get that, but but you cannot deny the the atoning death of Christ. Like he actually died. Yeah. If he didn't actually die, you, you introduce some very problematic things. I think that's the best you could say. Yeah. If not moving to outright heresy um right i mean at best you're saying you're you're introducing some difficult things at worst it's it's heresy and i think you i i mean on the scale i would probably lean towards heresy um because he didn't he didn't you know you got the whole swooning theory that he, he was yeah. swooning or and, and but yeah i mean uh, so I found it. Uh, we'll play the whole clip. If I do remember correctly, he does actually wind up very quickly and kind of quietly. Backtracking? Say, he doesn't backtrack, okay. but right before he says it, he says it very quickly and quietly. He's like, yes, he died, but he never died. And it's like, it's contradiction, man. Right. And like, you're just, but, and if I, we'll, we'll listen to it and go then ahead. go on. Because we sent people out. Hey, guys, let you know. Jesus is on the way here. 
And they went out into the countryside. Hey, Jesus, come through the town. And they're packing up their, their sick friends and their sick of palsy. And I think of that first bus ministry, those guys went out there and said, hey, buddy, we're going to get to, to, get to Jesus. Didn't you hear about him? Uh, listen, I can't walk. Guys, I'm sick. That's all right. Lay in the bed. We're going to get the bed. And they're going to run army style all the way to Jesus. They went there to the crowd. They got there in the back of the building. They said, man, there's too many people. we got to get our friend to Jesus. So they ran around the backside. I don't know what it was like, but I can imagine Jesus up there preaching them, giving the word of God. And all of a sudden, bam, bam. Bam, rip, rip, crash, crash. What in the world is going on? This place caving in. I think I All of a sudden, the, 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 the ceiling one. ripped open. Some of you people, if somebody, the ceiling ripped open, right? Yeah, I clicked the wrong one. This uh, should be it. to see that okay. we have a need to have their kind of faith. Well, they just hear the word of God, and they believe it. They don't need extra proof. They don't need the Greek. They don't need the Hebrew. They just need to hear from the good old Bible that you love them. And they'll believe it, hook, line, and sinker. Lord, help us to have that kind of faith today. Bless these children to learn about you. We give the praise for it. It's in Jesus' nope. name we pray. Amen. This ain't it either. Uh, I'm going to have to edit I mean, that out. That's an interesting clip, though, in and of itself. Yeah, that they was don't need the, the Greek, the Hebrew, and, well, not everybody needs the Greek and the Hebrew, but, you know, I think there is something to be said about studying the original language. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm, uh, I'm going to leave that little clip in that we don't have, but I'm going to delete the other one. Okay. Uh, if I can figure it out. If not, I'll just... Well, I mean, I know I can do it. It's just... Right. If I want to take the time to do it. All right, so this it. is the clip in question. The king, <coughs> if you look back in verse number 15, says that he shall... Live. That's a future tense word. There is a king coming. Solomon was already alive at this point, but there is a king that shall live, and his name was Jesus Christ. And when he came into this world, born of a virgin, and he died, yes, he died on the rugged cross, but guess what? Jesus never died, and he's forever alive. He was alive before the beginning of time. He was alive during his earthly time. Yes, Jesus never died, amen. Yeah, so, he, yeah, he, he says, yes, he died, but Jesus never died. Amen. amen. And, like, <laughs> you know, we, we could spend a lifetime asking how how does the death of Christ work or, or what happened mm -hmm. the three days in the grave, right? Because yeah. he, he's comprised of both a, a rational human soul and, 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 and deity. and, and but, but to just... To, it's it's double speak right there. I mean, to mm -hmm. say he died. Yes, he died, but he never died. Yeah. Well, did he die or did he not die? What do you mean? Like the. Yeah, and like that that was the last straw for me. Right. I think. I think we did go to like a, a couple more services yeah. after that, but I was mentally checked out. Uh, right. I, I was honestly already mentally checked out before this and and don't get me wrong these were the absolute nicest people oh sure. like i i know i know the ifb gets a lot of rip for being sure. extremely legal which which i mean there was a lot of legalism sure. but my wife never maybe a handful of times wore a dress to church while going there right never got any ugly looks yeah. nothing nothing like that before we even joined she wound up having to have a major surgery and pastor called me up and it wasn't, Hey, let me know if you need anything. It was, Hey, I've already got eight people 
that for eight days in a row, you won't have to worry about cooking. Wow. Uh, it's already set up. Uh, you can either, I, I've given them their number, they'll call you. Uh, they'll, y'all, they'll either come to your house, you meet them somewhere, whatever y'all, y'all decide. Like, yeah. it's, already, it's already set up. Plus, we had some people from our previous church, too, do it. And, and like, so, like, these people were absolutely wonderful, friendly, loving. It, it all came down to theology. Right. I, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. As, as nice as these people were, it was, it, it, spiritually, it was making me sick. Right. And I was doing everything I could, supplementing, listening to sermons, podcasts, to try to fill that void. But it, it, supplements not meant to last forever. Right. Yeah. No. You can. You can. I think there is a time to stay. Right. But you can be in a a church where you disagree mm-hmm. and flourish. Yeah. You can also be in a church where the, the- theology is so opposed to your own yeah and, and I mean at that point I guess you'd be dealing on secondary issues maybe even mm-hmm. right, with, with with the whole question of Jesus died but Jesus never died I mean yeah. you're, you're 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 dipping your toe into foundational orthodoxy there but yeah I think you can only stay there for a time mm-hmm. because it, it you know watching a sermon by you know name your guy Alistair Begg mm-hmm. MacArthur Robert Godfrey, whoever, right, whoever's yeah. your cup of tea. Um, I'm kind of partial to, to Robert Godfrey. Yeah. Um, I don't know him too well. I know the name. I just, I've never listened to him. So you either really like him or he puts you to sleep. Yeah. Like those are kind of like, I like the way he talks. He kind of, he's kind of witty and like, but he's kind of dry at the same time. So he yeah. kind of like, like he'll, he'll put in these quippy little one-liners mm-hmm. and I'm like, like nobody in the room laughs, <laughs> but, but I'm laughing, you know? Um, but, um, right. It, at some point staying in that type of church body mm-hmm. long term, I think will do damage to yeah. you overall because yeah. you're not being fed. In, in the corporate body, yeah, and and there's what we need that, and and it, another reason that was hard to leave. I mean, what was because of all the stuff they had done for us, but my son's autistic, right, and so change on him is hard. Yeah, we had already left the Methodist church, which we've been at since before he was born, and. So it took a. He was pretty much just getting adjusted to this church when I, I was like, "Hey, we're going." I ripped him out of what he's gotten used to, mm-hmm. and praise be to God, though it took him no time to Amen. adjust to where we're at now. Good. And um, and no church is perfect. There's little I could nitpick and complain about little bitty things where we're at but as far as theology go i think it's it's rock solid okay love the pastor love the people there yeah um and but it's really it's really small uh do you guys do an evening service on the lord's day unfortunately no okay I, i wish we did the the main reason why we don't i think at least is because we're technically without a pastor, and we're borrowing one from Beaumont, okay. uh, from St. John's in Beaumont, 
and he uh, he he's great. He's he's only like thirty five, but he's gr- I really like him. Uh, I try not to burden him too much with my questions since he's not technically our pastor. Right. And he's got a whole other flock he's got to yeah. tend to. Yep. Uh, so I will go to like the the elders and yep. uh, whatnot, which function essentially as as a deacon would in a Baptist church. And okay, interesting. And uh, and then. Uh, our particular church doesn't have it, but the denomination as a whole does have deaconesses, which would be women. They'll they'll yep. help serve uh, in in various roles, not in like a pastoral role, but right. like assist in various things. Uh, okay, so are they on the same level as a deacon? So okay, um, let me let me let me make sure I'm tracking with you on this. So you have a pastor. Yes. Then you have elders. Yes. Which function? I think it functions like like a deacon. Like a deacon at a Baptist church. Baptist church. So now this is where it's going to get dicey. Yeah. Deacons properly understood at a Baptist church, like they uh, they understand that they are to do the hands and feet ministry of, or yeah, or they yeah. or deacons where they're actually functioning as elders. <laughs> um. <laughs> because that's your typical Baptist church, right? Yeah. They have the term of deacon, but as a staff member, you essentially report to the deacon body, and they're serving as an elder board, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, what... Um, I would say properly understood, and then the deaconess would be, like, a step. Underneath? Yeah. Okay, so do you guys have deacons, like, named as an an office? Or is it... Okay, so... If if there is, I haven't haven't seen that. Okay, so your elders... Kind of subsume the the role of mm-hmm. the deacon. Yeah, but do they also function in similar capacity to the pastor? Um, they can't administer the the sacraments. The sacrament. Well, in in Lutheranism, anybody can baptize, but okay. but that's that would be. The exception. the exception and not the rule. Okay. Uh, so, typically, in normal, ordinary fashion, it's going to be the pastor. Okay. Since Lutherans hold to baptismal regeneration mm-hmm. in a life or death type of situation, right? There's we got this short form of baptism to be used in emergencies. Right. Okay. Uh, that's in the back of the small catechism yeah. for those who can't see, and so that that like a a nurse who is in the I forget what the maternity ward. Yeah, uh, baby's dying. They'll do a quick right. baptism or you know uh, short cable. Um, happen to come across a wreck on the road, right. and the right. you can tell the person's bleeding out or whatever. Just like. Be like, have you been baptized? And they'd be like, if, if they're able to respond. Right. And then, uh, no, and then wouldn't do it against somebody's, some, wishes. somebody's wishes. Because, right. I mean, I hear the jokes all the time. You see it on Twitter. And that, that sermon I brought up that I was watching mm-hmm. on on uh, baptism earlier, we were talking about, the guy makes a joke about how Methodist will... You know, you can go around squirting with the water going, ha, oh, be baptized, be baptized. And it was right. like, right. 
was like, ah, man, like, I don't agree with Methodists, but, like, yeah, don't, this is your sermon. Like, don't right. make jokes right. like this in right. your, your sermon. No, absolutely. And, uh, but, so, I mean, it, it ain't going to look like, like that. Right. No, I, I think, I think I understand, right? It's, it's, it's an emergency thing. But, and then, but and it's then, not a quick like, hey, let me just douse you real quick. It's a, and, it's a very sober yeah, thing. Yeah, and and Lutherans will believe that baptism will, because faith is a part of it, one hundred percent. Right. right. Uh, somebody who doesn't have faith in in their baptism, which is God doing it, it's God's work, not okay. our work. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do but we, okay. Lutherans will also believe that baptism will bestow the faith that it requires okay and so like faith is still 100% a part of it um, right so just going up you know like ha 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 with water gun you know right it, and, and it's like like I, like I read it's the water in the word right right uh, uh, darn now I done forgot where I was even going but uh, it, it's, it's something to think about. And then I, I talked to with my pastor about it, and I let him know. I was like, hey, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about baptism a lot, and I've even listened to some, some sermons from how I would used to hold. And I was like, man, it, it got me thinking. Like, they... Since this is my decision, my decision, my decision, like it, it, everything's like me focused on the the baptism. Sure. What well, what about they can't baptize people with mental handicaps? Right. And he, he was like, he was like, yep. I was like, it got me thinking though. When it comes to communion, the Lord's Supper, you know, we hold to you must distinguish between. Uh, to be able to discern the body and blood, right? First uh, Corinthians, right? And I was like, so, so how do how do we Lutherans, we Lutherans, how do we go about that in for for communion? And he was like, that's actually a really good question, and it it's usually up to just the pastor's discretion if they do commune, right? And uh, and then the family. He says, in all honesty, though, if we're being consistent, we won't commune. Right. And uh, I was like, okay, that's that's what I was thinking. I just didn't know how we would work it out. He and he told me he had, he's actually got two people in his actual congregation that he's installed at. That one family wants their. Uh, I think they. He said they were both adult children with mental handicap. Okay. I think he said they were both. Uh, down syndrome yeah and uh i've i've got a cousin with down syndrome and i don't know if there's like different levels of it but there I, it, it's, it's a spectrum so you do have high functioning mm-hmm. peoples with down syndrome mm-hmm. um which they can hold a job yeah they can so my my mom had an uncle he was a high functioning mm-hmm. uh, down syndrome guy um He's, he's passed on. I never had the opportunity yeah. to meet him. But he, he was able to live by himself. They had an assisted living home with yeah. people similar to him. And he, he essentially was able to care for himself yeah. with very minimal help and intrusion. Yeah. And Versus there are some who are 
I mean, heavy, very heavy. They will never leave the home. They may never um, come to a point where they don't wear some type of a pull up or. or Yeah. So it it is a spectrum. And my my cousin, like him, I think he would be able to to discern. Right. And uh, he's even married. So, I mean, you can, you, you know, just by looking at him, right. because that, that's just like that. He, he's yeah. got it. I mean, yeah. it's just there's, like there's some the characteristic there's, traits yeah. that are and, there. But, uh, I, I don't, the girl he's married to, it doesn't have Down syndrome. I don't, I don't know what, what she is, Okay. but, uh, she does have some type of mental handicap. And I think she too would be able to, to, okay. they, both of them would be a very childlike, very infantile. Right, it'd be, it'd be very un, simple. Very simple understanding, but given their, I don't know how to word it, but given, I, if I was their their pastor, sure. I would, I would feel okay with with communing them. Right. And uh, but he said there's one that he, in his membership that he does, more so just out of for the family. Uh, the other one, the family doesn't want them to because I guess they have a better grasp of the theology and sure. then I guess he's more or she, I don't I don't know, but uh, maybe more have a uh, disability. I, but I don't know. He, he was in a hurry. He had to leave and so we didn't get a full discussion out of it. Right. But, uh, but I, I at least got out of it what I was already kind of thinking right and that's i think that's when when you begin to interact with brothers who who come from a different tradition mm-hmm. right i mean you've been all over the place right you've been in <laughs> yeah. you, the the ifb church that you grew up in is not your typical ifb church yeah. then you're in a typical baptist church then you're in a methodist church then you went to a different ifb church now yeah. you're in the uh, a lutheran, lutheran church, church. A, a conservative lutheran yeah. church like that's that's a broad gamut of, mm-hmm. of spectrums, right? And, yeah. and each are going to have distinctions when it comes to um, theology. Yeah. And you, you know, if you're not aware of those, like you just don't have the questions. Mm-hmm. And who would like so? So for example, when I went to seminary, so like. I, I, I came to faith sometime in high school. Like yeah. I had, growing up, I had enough Jesus to be dangerous. I didn't, I don't remember hearing the gospel mm-hmm. um, until I got into high school. Um, I'm sure there were people on my path who were faithful to to, yeah. to to preach the gospel to me. But but as far as I understood, it was we love Jesus because that's what we do. We're mm-hmm. in the South. Um, yeah. You know. Um, anyway, by the time I got to, to seminary, um, like I just I thought. We all agree on the Bible, like we 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 have some we have some differences, mm-hmm. but they're they're very small. Like we're, yeah. we, like nobody disagrees on um, divorce and remarriage. No, yeah. we all agree on that. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah. You know that was like, I didn't realize there were so many disagreements on on scripture until I got to, to Bible college. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so as. As I began to, to, to think through some of those things and, and to, to begin to wrestle with some of those things, like I think that's where the Lord was really working on me because like mm-hmm. by the time I got to, to, to seminary, I was probably a, some kind of quasi-dispensational Calvinistic weirdo 
I hadn't really like I hadn't read the whole Bible at that point. Yeah. Like the Old Testament in this Bible was pretty unmarked up and, and white. I mean, I've got more notes in it now, but hadn't read it. Yeah. Um, like I'd read like a handful of the Psalms. I have a fascination with Ecclesiastes, so like Ecclesiastes yeah. is all tattered up, but you know, and so when you begin to, to talk with brothers who are not in your tradition, to really sit down with them and say, hey, mm-hmm. how do you guys come to this conclusion, whether it's baptism, the Lord's Supper, church polity or whatever, yeah. I think it moves beyond the the jokes and the games and the, the mm-hmm. straw man arguments because, you know, so in the whole getting back to like the baptism debate, I know there are some in like Reformed Baptist circles who will assert that uh, Zwingli and Calvin invented infant baptism. Have you not heard that? I've never heard that. Okay, so so they'll they'll make the argument that that the the Presbyterian understanding mm-hmm. of infant baptism specifically mm-hmm. um, was invented by by Zwingli and Calvin. Yeah. That it was. In some way, I think they're going to hold to the argument that in some way it is a remnant from Roman Catholicism, but they wanted it to fit their theological structure. And and whether or not they'll say, you know, I think they'll make the argument that because Calvin and so on, they're products of their time, they don't want to go against the state too much. So they, yeah. they need to incorporate this so they don't have issues from the state. And so they'll, they'll make the assertion that, that Zwingli and Calvin made it up. And and, that, and that's weird because there's so much evidence. Yeah, so I think that's academically dishonest. Um, yeah. I mean, if you just if you read Zwingli, um, like when he when he begins to articulate his theology mm-hmm. on baptism, it's in response to the Anabaptists. Yeah. So I mean, it, to say that he just made it up because you know somebody was trying to get rid of it. Yeah. I think that would be like me saying. Yeah, the guys at Nicaea just made up the creed. <laughs> yeah. No, it, the, it flowed from when we look at church history, theology becomes articulated by necessity. Yeah. When when error arises, you, nece- you by necessity you 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 begin to articulate. Hey, these are the truths that yeah, we hold to, to as the out. body of Christ, and so. When I when I started the whole like I went through seminary, I was mm. I was like. Yeah, Baptists, this is the right way. We don't deal with baptismal regeneration. We don't deal with baptizing babies. We're yeah. not sprinkling. Like, we hold to the clear reading of Scripture. Like, yes, the Bible is clear, mm. right? The, I, I, I affirm the perspicuity of Scripture. Um, yeah. But but when we talk about the clarity of the Bible, that I think that's when we talk about the doctrine of the perspicuity. I always mess this word up, perspicuity, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. of Scripture. That's referring to the things of salvation, right? Like the, the gospel, mm-hmm. eternal life, these things. Peter says that some of what Paul says is hard, right? So, yes, Scripture is clear, but we can't always just go around, Scripture is clear on this. Yeah. Well, maybe from your perspective, because you've spent the last six months doing the hard work to get there. Yeah. But, but right, don't hold... Don't hold so fast to your position mm-hmm. to, to make other brothers feel lesser because they haven't and, done the work yet. And then something similar is like like that uh, tattoo girl, Cat uh, Von D. Have you heard about her? She was recently baptized. Is she the the 
She got a podcast. She probably does. I Maybe. I don't know. But Cat she was Blondie. Wait, no, hold on. Maybe I'm thinking She had else. a she had a show. She's a really good artist. Okay. And uh but she was recently baptized into a Baptist church. And like she she posted something I'm thinking of someone completely different. I've never, yeah. Okay, anyway. She she posted something recently. I mean, this is different, but, like, something similar um, of how people react. But she, she got baptized, and she wound up posting something, or somebody started bringing up some of her older posts on Instagram or something. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, she's not a real Christian, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hey, like, like she's new. Give her time, give her grace. Right. All this stuff that you're espousing took you years. Right. Right. Give her grace. Right. And and so I mean, you know, when we when we deal with brothers in, in different traditions. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, you, you see it on Twitter all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean one one day I go to bed. Nothing's nothing's blowing up. The next morning I wake up, I'm on Twitter, and people are arguing about Christian nationalism. I'm oh, like, guys, yeah. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Or or then you've got the what's known as classical theism versus whatever the other side. Like, things, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective, blew up overnight. I'm like, guys, what? Hold on. I'm, I'm like the weird kid eating lunch by himself. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a great Tuesday. Ham yeah. sandwich. Mom cut the crust off. And everybody else is, like, fighting on the playground. I'm like, yeah. What? When did this happen? Like, what? What did I miss? You know, and and like, people are so quick to throw out heretic, heretic, mm-hmm. heretic. I'm like, guys, I think Twitter's not the place for robust theological disagreements. No, especially because one, because it's in text format. Yep. Two, because it's so limited on what you can. Right. Uh, unless you pay, and then it's bigger, but. You, I, you can't understand tone right uh, whenever something's wanting to be emphasized right it's not always clearest and I, I, I did get in one discussion okay just because it was it was so awful and I actually do want to ask you the question like if, if you agree with the guy I'm not going to be offended we'll okay. still have this this uh, conversation, but he, he, he in the conversation, he showed that he had no clue what he was even talking about. Okay. But he he claimed Lutherans were heretics on the same scale as Mormons. Based upon what grounds? Because of the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. Okay. And then he keep and uh, what else did he say? But then he kept he kept quoting. Oh well, first he he said that Luther Martin Luther was was uh, was still saved. Okay, so Luther's in, and it's like Martin Luther taught exactly what you're calling damnable heresy. Right. That doesn't make sense. Right. And and he he held to it to the day he died. There okay. was no. In, in his eyes, repentance of this damnable heresy. Sure. And, but he, he tries to backtrack and, and he's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe more on the scale of Catholicism. Sure. And, but it's like, damage is done, dude. But then he just keeps quote tweeting in response. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Cooper. 
just these one little one sentence right. tweets. And it's like, okay. He's like, I'm just letting him speak for himself. I was like, you have no idea what he's even saying. Right. And so he quote tweets something else. I was like, again, okay. Well, I'm, I'm letting him speak for Again, you have no idea what he's even right. saying. Right. Like, like, at least try to understand the what what he's saying. Right. If you disagree with it, that's fine. Yeah. But what he's saying is not, from my point of view, not heresy. Right. And, when I'm, and he was like, so you, you hold to this? And I was like, well, I've only been in the Lutheran church roughly a year. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm still working this stuff out. But, but like, yeah. Okay. And uh, so, like, what would be... So, I do not know enough about the Lutheran's position on baptism mm-hmm. to say it's heresy. And I'm very, I've learned to be very slow to throw that word out. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is condemn a brother and and that not to be mm-hmm. right, you know. Um, I think we, we ought to, to call heresy heresy oh, yeah. when, it, when it truly is. But just because you disagree with somebody on something is not heresy. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this to kind of filter my answer through that. Do you believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. 100%. Okay. So, right, at that point, this is an in-house discussion, mm-hmm. yeah. right? If, if we, we believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, I think that's an in-house discussion, which, again, mm-hmm. I think arguing this stuff on Twitter, unhelpful. Yeah. I think if you could get two people who disagree to sit down face-to-face, begin by asking each, each person, what is the gospel? And if we both give a credible, hey, here's the gospel. Okay, well, now we know this is an in-house debate, yeah. at least on a surface level. So I, I here's what I'll say. I don't know enough about the Lutheran position mm-hmm. on baptism to, to be able to say it's heresy. As Baptists, kind of giving a side eye towards the PCA. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, what what I can say is, I don't know enough about what what the Lutheran Church means when they talk when they say baptismal regeneration compared mm-hmm. to like say a Roman Catholic baptismal regeneration. Um, so when I look at Rome's understanding of of uh, baptism, yeah, I think that is wrong. Um, I I do not believe what Rome teaches on baptism. Yeah, um, and that's that's a whole different. Thing right, and so I mean, when 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 I read, say the the Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, question one sixty five, what is baptism? Baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament, wherein Christ hath ordained the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost to be a sign and seal of ingrafting into Himself of remission of sins by His blood and regeneration by His Spirit of adoption and resurrection unto everlasting life, and whereby the parties baptized are solemnly admitted into the visible church and enter into an open and professing mm-hmm. engagement to be holy and only the Lord's. That, uh, you know, there, we'd have to yeah. work through that, but I think that is a, a, a fair and concise explanation of, of what baptism yeah. is from my perspective. I don't know enough yeah. about the Lutheran understanding of baptism. Um, R. Scott Clark 
in what I've listened from, from him saying. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he would say that, that it gets too close to mixing the the thing signified and the reality mm-hmm. of. He said, I think he would he would say that it, it kind of confuses the two. So, yeah. you know. Uh, first off, I love R. Scott Clark. Yeah. Even though, no, I'm yeah, in a, even though I'm in a different camp now, right? I, I love R. Scott Clark. Absolutely. Always will. Uh, he helped me a lot coming out of dispensationalism, yeah. uh, helping understand infant baptism and, and stuff like, of that nature. And yeah, I'll always be grateful to him. Absolutely. Uh, and then I don't I don't remember what all he he says about. Lutherans and baptism. Because you were so, you were the guy that, that introduced me to him. You sent me oh, his little um, uh, what was his series? Um, I'll be oh, God to you and to your children yes, or something dude, like that. That's such a good. I series. think it's the first or second episode mm. there where he goes through each position, yeah. and I think that's where he says the Lutheran view kind of. He, he says it gets too close or something along those lines of, yeah. of mixing the things signified and so on. But yeah. Um, so anyway, and I'll, I'll have to re-listen to that because as much as I, I loved it and helped me yeah. come out of, I don't, I don't remember that specific thing but uh i know he's got a ton of information of, yeah but uh this is the third question under okay. baptism in luther's small catechism and it's how can water do such great things certainly not just water but the word of god in and with the water does these things so going back to ephesians 5 right along with the faith which trusts this word of god so there's the the faith uh, for without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. Okay. But with the word of God, it is a baptism. That is a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And man, like following along with my finger to make sure I'm on the right line, seeing the stuff that Victoria did in my fingers, just weird. I feel like I'm part of the ELCA, not the LCMS. <laughs> And then the, the fourth question actually says, what does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should be daily, should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and rise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Amen. And then where is it, where is it written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, Romans 6, 4, which we've already touched on at the very beginning. So something I will say is, um, I think when when dealing with baptism, um, one of the things that that I hadn't thought Mm -hmm. through when, when I started to look into the whole thing was 
Baptists typically understand baptism as my response Mm -hmm. to the work of God in my life. It's the inward... Uh, yeah, it's an inward, inward, it's a it's an outward expression, an expression of an inward, inward occurrence. Yeah. Which I mean I think that's a terrible phrase. Let's throw that out. Let's be more robust, at least yeah. as Baptists to explain what do we mean baptism is. At least quote the BFNM two thousand or something. But, yeah. Um so okay. Whereas when I when I began to to look into what do my Presbyterian brothers believe about baptism? Mm. Because if I'm going to disagree with R.C. Sproul, you know, dude was one of the brightest minds of our day and time. Mm-hmm. I should at least be able to articulate his understanding if I'm going to say he's wrong. Which might be hard because he's so brilliant. <laughs> right. And and right that, that began the study mm. of, you know, infant baptism almost two years yeah. ago. And, and I'm, you know, anyway... Um, lost my train of thought um so so right baptists would would say baptism is me demonstrating my loyalty to christ um, as he has changed me whereas Mm -hmm. at least presbyterians would say no baptism is a a demonstration of god's promises to his people yeah yeah yeah, uh, i would because it, it goes more and this is God's work and not right. something that, right. that I'm doing. I, I do think Lutherans will just take it that a step little, Yeah, a little step further. And uh, because it, there's still a, a sense of symbolism right. in, in the Presbyterian view. Right. And whereas Lutherans will go all the way into like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, and like, baptism now saves you. And right. Which... Depending on your tradition, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna handle that text handle a little differently a little and, little and differently. explain it a little differently, yeah. And um, but so I I have I've got a terrible grasp on it at the moment, but I have come to the the Lutheran understanding of it. Okay. And I think that last the last time we were talking, I was still more on the the Presbyterian side right. of it, but right. I was able to at least. No, I see where they're coming from. Okay. And and then working through it and wrestling with it and trying to attack it how I would have when I was a Baptist or it just like everything was it's the inward sign uh the the outward uh, sign sign, I was screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but it's and as much as you hear it, it's like, and then they'll, the same people that will say that will be will say this is a like our position is completely scriptural. Like we don't make up any doctrines. It's like where do you find that in right. scripture? Explain explain that phrase to me from the text. From, of yeah, and and then the the whole uh, um, age of accountability. Right. Too like I I don't nobody has ever explained that from scripture. Heck, I, I can even remember being uh, being under Keith one time. Yeah. I might be remembering wrong. Okay. So if Keith, if you ever listen to this and I am remembering it wrong, I'm sorry. It, it was like 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, but whenever I was under Keith, 
I do remember him bringing up the age of accountability and him stating it's not found in the Bible, but it's just something we believe. And at the time, that's just, I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, so sorry, Keith, if if I am, I said Keith, Keith, if I'm remembering that wrong, I think he would, he would maybe, maybe explain it that it's not stated expressly Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Yeah. um, So I don't, I don't hold to an age of accountability. Yeah. Um, I I mean, if you're a Baptist Mm -hmm. and you don't, you know, dive into theology, I think you kind of just by default hold to it. Yeah. But I think that the appeal would be to, um, is it second Samuel, first Samuel, wherever David is mourning over his child that's lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's typically the passage, right? Because David mourns a child mm-hmm. after the Lord tells him, hey, your, your child's going to die. Mm-hmm. He mourns him while he's still alive. After he dies, uh, right, he, he rises, he washes his face, and he says, I know that I will see my son again. Yeah. So I think that's one of the passages that, that they typically appeal to. Yeah. Um, and, and two, this was also, like, like I said, 20 years ago, people's theology changes. Right. Within a year's time, Absolutely. much much less twenty years. So, sure. so he he probably would explain it a heck of a lot better yeah. now. So so I think you know the whole Baptist shorthand of explaining baptism, um, not a great way, right? At least the, mm-hmm. the BFNM two thousand states it this way: it says Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is that it is an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. The believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, right, they won't use the word sacrament, mm-hmm. being a church ordinance, it is, it is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. That is far more robust than saying oh, it's, yeah. a, it's an outward, outward sign, sign of an, of an inward, inward occurrence. And then, and then, too, another weird thing about that statement is, like, because it also gets brought in with, like, oh, it's like the wedding ring analogy. Sure. You're walking around the mall or even here at the, the coffee shop. Right, nobody who's, can see. Who's, who's going right. to know? Like, they can see my wedding ring, but who's going to be like, oh, that guy's baptized unless they hear me talking about it? Right. So, like, I, the analogy falls apart there. I, I think in some ways. So, I mean, I think, right, for the stranger in the mall or on the street, mm-hmm. yes. I think what, what they'll, what, what would typically be pointed to more is, um, Right, it's for those present at the mm-hmm. baptism, um, right, as, yeah. as the body of Christ, to receive you into membership, right? It's it's you publicly demonstrating uh, faith and, and obedience into the command of Christ to be baptized publicly, right? So even when you move backwards in church history, mm-hmm. prior to us having, like, full-blown baptistries built in, right, yeah. y- your baptistry may have been outside, or if you're in a more rural context, it, it may have been just the, the stream next to um, yeah. the church or, or something along those lines. Um, I mean, when you when you look at historical church architecture, many of the churches um, in wherever 
east, west, you'll get there eventually. Uh, yeah. The Middle East, um, right from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, moving outwards. You have many churches whose baptistries would be like impeding a straight line to the front door of the church. Yeah. And so, I, and so my, my church history professor, Dr. Yates, he, he made the point that, that these baptistries, which were big enough for an adult mm-hmm. to fit into and to be immersed, not necessarily laid back, but maybe even just dipped yeah. down and squatted, right? It was, the whole point is baptism is essentially the, the key to church membership. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to display before those present, whether it was the passerby or on the street, yeah. but primarily the congregation, for them to see and behold, um, right, that, that you are professing the same faith and, and following in obedience, and therefore we can receive you into yeah. the fold. So, you know, now, I would have agreed wholeheartedly with that mm-hmm. back in the seminary. And, and while I do think there's, there's some truth to that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll see, um, say, Mark Dever, you know. Um, he'll, he'll oh, tag, it's pronounced Dever? Yeah, Dever. I thought it was Dever. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, it's Mark Dever, uh, right? But he, he and Ligon Duncan will go mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they'll poke fun at each other, and I appreciate yeah. that, um, right? But uh, it wasn't too long ago, Dever posted a picture of, like, a 7th century baptistry in, from somewhere. Yeah. And it was clearly a baptistry where you would have been able to immerse an adult. And he said, you know, doesn't look like we're baptizing babies here or something like that. And it was like 3rd, 4th, 5th century mm-hmm. yeah. church architecture. And I think there's some legitimate... I think, you know, that, that brings up a relevant question about the whole mode and what mm-hmm. have you. But also, even still early on, the, the church is largely in a missionary context, mm-hmm. right? So it, it makes sense to have baptistries where I'm going to be primarily baptizing adults. Yeah. If, if you know, I mean... At least from a glance, and, yeah. and you know, I'm. I'm and I think no one expert. of the things that's forgotten about, though, like on the Baptist side, mm-hmm. is they think that they only baptize babies, like those who hold infant baptism, right? And they don't think about well, what about the adult converts that come in, right? And yeah, you guys don't deny believers' baptism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Lutherans and Presbyterians. And, and, and Methodists one, and so on. Luther, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but he actually preferred immersion. Really? Yeah. And So uh, did Calvin. I mean, he, he said... I didn't it's, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe I did, it's I in his know. institutes. I yeah. could be wrong. But he, he prefers... He said his preferred method is, mm-hmm. is immersion. Yeah. But it's not necessary. necessary. And, it, yeah, it's, it's not the mode that's important. Right. And... Uh, but it does need to be water, and then the Lutherans would say, right. with the word. Right, got to be water, not ranch dressing. Yeah, and because, uh, like, there was something that got posted a while back on Twitter about, like, communion. It was like, oh, I'm going to commune my family with, like, apple juice and some... <laughs> Doritos? Some, yeah, I think it was Doritos, and it was actually Lecrae that oh, posted yeah, it. yeah, I remember that. And, yeah, yeah and... So he got, I, I think he might have just been joking, but it, was it like, may have been a joke. I don't know. But yeah, it was, you know, that's. It was like, no, he, it was like, 
use what was instituted. Right. And, like, Insofar the whole, as you may. Yeah. Like, as, then as far as, like, I have come around to, before I even joined the Lutheran Church, came around to more of, like, wine is the proper. Sure. Uh, but my church uses both. No, no, no. I, I take that back. My church does only use wine. Okay. But we do both the common cup and the little shot glasses. So let me ask you a question on that. They they aren't they aren't opposed to uh, to grape juice though because whenever I before we joined I asked I was like do y'all use wine or grape juice? He's like oh well everybody here is okay with wine so we right. just use wine. If if you want grape juice when you join that, uh, like we're not against that. And I was okay. like uh, no don't so, don't do anything special. Because that was that was my question is say you had an alcoholic a recovering mm-hmm. alcoholic join the congregation what would they do with that? Yeah my congregation I, it, it's going to vary. Uh, congregation in the yeah. Lutheran uh, LCMS at least uh, some are going to be more strict some will go as far as to say like since Lutherans will hold to this is the the true body and blood which there's a whole it that's a whole nother discussion right uh, that I will we can I'm not Sure. Super knowledgeable, and I, yeah. I will say right now that it's not like this a physical. I, th- I hope I'm not stating things wrong. Like a physical. Yeah, you're not eating, going full transubstantiation. Like, full trans, but we do hold that he is truly present. Truly present. It's more than more than spiritual, but we're not caponetic eating of right because yeah, like one of the things Zwingli was was like, well, you're gonna like, are you gonna? defecate his body then and right and it's like no no right it's and, i forget i used to know it uh i think the proper way that lutherans say it and i i could be completely wrong here but it, isn't it that that christ is present in, in through and among in with and under if in with and under. so meaning just it he is essentially surround like it's, right and so it's, we don't yeah. We don't hold to the consubstantiation. That's, yeah, typically either. the term that's been used. And but. that's because consubstantiation would be, like, using metalwork, for example. You use you take two different metals to make an alloy or something. Right. So you would have two different things becoming something entirely new. Right. That's not what... That's consubstantiation. Right. That's not what... That's not what you're saying. Yeah. It's still bread. Is there a term for it that... Sacramental union... Sacramental Union. Okay. And uh, that's how I hear it okay. worded the most. Right. And so, like, Catholics will hold, I don't even remember where I, before I went down here where I was even going, but so Catholic, Roman Catholics will hold the accidents of the bread and wine remain, but it's his physical body that's being re-sacrificed, all that right. in the transubstantiation. It's still bread, it's still wine, but it's also body and blood. And Interesting. it's gets asked, well, how? We don't know. That's just what the word says, and that's what we leave it at. And it's just something that you take on faith. It's part of the mystery of the gospel. And, right. and they don't try to explain it away. Sure. They don't try to use logic of like with Calvin. He, he says uh, that it's spiritual. And instead of him coming down to us because 
this human nature can't be everywhere at once. Right. We go to him right. in heaven. And it's like, that's not found in scripture. Sure. And Lutherans are just okay with state. Like Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. Right. Don't have to explain it away. That's just what he says. So we're just going to hold to it. Sure. And, um, don't need any, I guess, sacramental unions, a fancy term, but, sure. uh, yeah, I mean, so we, so I, I think I can't, I can't get a hundred percent on board with Zwingli and, and say that it's strictly memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe in many ways that's what it is, but, but I think I would agree with, with Sproul where, where I, I do think Christ is truly present with his bride. Yeah. In, in the sacrament of, of the Lord's Supper. Um, I, I can't go so far as to, to be on board with, with the Lutheran understanding yeah, of it, right, where with, with the whole sacramental union, I, I, I do think Christ in, in the institution of the Lord's Supper is using metaphorical language, right, where he says, this is my body, this is my blood. Well, I don't yeah. think he's actually telling his, his apostles, hey, this bread is literally my flesh or, or this this cup of the this cup is the yeah. uh, uh, the cup of uh, man I'm blanking what is it what does he say uh, cup of the new testament cup of the new testament new covenant um, where is it at let me just it'd probably be good to read it anyway yeah yeah um, Matthew 26 I think I believe that's it parable of the tenants Institution of the yeah Matthew twenty six twenty six. I'm ready. Now as they were eating, I'm reading from the ESV. Um, All right. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." And he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, "Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins." I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink of it with you in my father's kingdom um, right so he says this is my body he says this is mm-hmm. my blood but and I my grammar is not the best but I've, and so I, I get mixed up on metaphors and similes but whichever one uses mm-hmm. is is that metaphor I think so I think it's a metaphor but I, I do think he's using metaphorical yeah. language and where he's he's equating this yeah to his body to his blood pointing mm-hmm. to what's about to take place on yeah. Calvary and one of the reasons Lutherans will say it's not metaphor is because of when he's saying this okay this is essentially his last will okay. and testament that sure. he's essentially giving and you don't typically you speak very straightforward. Sure. You don't, because like, it goes from this to Jesus being betrayed. Right. And uh, so there was no time for for no that. No time for that. And I mean that that's one of the arguments. Um, I mean I, I could see that, but you know. I don't. I don't know that I could buy that a hundred percent. Just yeah. just when when you look at Christ and His teaching, um, I mean, I my my mind kind of jumps to while He's on the cross and He looks at 
uh, is it John? He says, yeah. uh, he looks at his mother, he says, woman, behold your son, mm-hmm. um, son, behold your mother. Is he, is he actually saying to, to Mary, like, hey, John is your literal son at that mm-hmm. point? No. no. I mean, in, in a roundabout way, he is saying, John, I'm entrusting my mother to you. Yeah. And, and mom, John's going to take care yeah. of you when I, now that I'm, I'm going to, mm. to be with the father. So, you know, I, I, even on the cross, right? I, mm. Now, obviously, different context, different situation. But he, I don't think he's actually telling Mary, hey, John is your literal son. He came from your... Yeah, your yeah. Like, she would, she would know <laughs> if, hey. if John was actually her son. So, to, you know. to change subjects. Okay, yeah. Not, not intentionally, but, yeah, yeah. but going off of that, just for a fun little discussion, the perpetual virginity... <laughs> Hogwash. Um, it, uh, I don't. I, I don't hold to it. Okay, but yeah, neither do I. I'm not opposed to it. Nothing changes if if it right. is. So right. I don't. It's not something that's so, worth fighting over. Like Luther, Calvin, they both held to it. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And but I, I think part of the reason was though the the Marian devotion didn't really start until the eighteen hundreds. Okay. So they they didn't have to worry about that and, right. and flesh all that out. Right, right, right. And like you were saying earlier, whenever error arises, that's when when uh when we work things like we we take the stance to articulate things better. Right. And. And so they didn't have to worry about it. It was just, right. it may have just been the tradition, and they just went with it because the Marian devotion wasn't there. Right, and it wasn't it wasn't a point of contention, and, mm-hmm. and so on. Now, now the Immaculate Conception, which isn't about Jesus, which is about Mary. Right. No, I think that's right. That's absolute garbage. No, yet that I would agree with wholeheartedly. I think you know the perpetual virginity of Mary. Um, I mean, ultimately, does it change anything? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not on, you know, even, even if I were to say, mm-hmm. no, I do think she was a perpetual virgin. Yeah. I just, from a, from a human standpoint, okay, when I read, when I read the, the text of scripture, somehow Jesus has brothers, yeah. And sisters, mm-hmm. right? When you think of, um, I think I'm about to get to it in Luke. So on Wednesday nights, I'm going through the Gospel of Luke with the students. And there's... No, or did I already cover it? Right, wherever it is where where Jesus is teaching and, and right, somebody comes up to him and says, Hey, Jesus... Your your mother your, and, your 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 mother and your brothers are waiting outside. Mm-hmm. They want to see see you, and and he says, "Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Except those who do yeah. the will of God." And so, you, typically, from what I've heard, is you have those um, who would say, "Well, Joseph had kids from a previous marriage, and those are his mm-hmm. step brothers, or so on." I I don't know. I don't I don't believe that. But one of the argument, and I have heard that that argument before i don't i don't hold to it which i also uh anyway but one of the other arguments though is that in greek and hebrew there's not a word for like cousin sure so brothers just use ambiguously as both 
your literal brother and then your extended family. Sure. And, and that may be the case. I I don't know. I read it how it comes across in English, honestly. Right. So that would be his brothers and sisters. Yeah, and, 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 and so then just to... <laughs> let, let's say... Let's say he doesn't have brothers and or sisters. You're going to tell me that Mary and Joseph, as a married couple, post Christ being born, never consummated the marriage union? Yeah. Never. And I... 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 Joseph, there, there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes, man's man. Yeah, Joseph is a, a he's he is a he is a Jewish man with red blood in his veins. Like, like you're gonna tell me they never consummated the marriage union? That's, I I, yeah. and there that's that's baloney yeah. if I've ever smelled it. And I, I don't remember what the argument is, but. Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth Jesus her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus right and I don't remember what the argument is like against that sure uh but to me, it speaks. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems to indicate like he did not know her until, until after was Christ born. was born. So seems to imply that Joseph mm-hmm. knew Mary just as Adam knew mm-hmm. Eve yeah. after Christ was born. And, and so, I mean, I think, I think it's really difficult to make a case for the perpetual virginity of Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary. But even, even if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, it and, doesn't and change anything. It doesn't change the fact Jesus that... Jesus was born of a virgin. Right. That's that's what matters. Right, right. No, I would agree. And, uh, but I, like, it, it comes down to, though, trying to, which I'm not saying with this, but I remember growing up, if it sounded Roman Catholic, you threw it out. Oh, sure. But it's kind of a bad argument. You know, you yeah. got to think about the Trinity. Right. You, they sing hymns. Are we not supposed to sing hymns? Right. Uh, they have they beautiful they, church architecture. They have beautiful church architecture. They they may add, but they have these sixty six books. Right. Are we supposed to throw those sixty six books out? Right. It, it's it's a bad argument. Just be like, oh, that's too Roman Catholic. Me and a buddy got into it whenever I was talking to him, and he, I said something about the Lutheran Church, and then. He, he brought the, I mean, that's too Roman Catholic for me. And I was like, so I, I brought up all that. Yeah. And, uh. Well, I think that's at least in our day and time, there's, we're very low church here in the United States. And especially our area. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, we are. We are as low church as low church gets. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the Lutheran church can get more high church than what oh, we sure. have here. And um, Most, I mean, it can it can very much look a lot more like a Roman mass, which we actually we we will still say that this is 
the mass as it should be. Okay. But we call it the divine service. Okay. And uh, I forget what the German word is, and apparently it speaks a lot more in the German language sure. than it does better how we translate it. Okay. But the it's called the divine service. One to separate us from Rome. Sure. And then two to show that it's not us serving God, but him serving us. Right. And through forgiveness. Right. And then we would go through the the sacraments. Right. And uh like that me and a buddy were talking it was a different buddy and it it made its way to his pastor and uh he he's like man I just don't get anything out of my service and I was like honestly I've listened like this was a church I, I was in the Methodist church I was in and I was like dude honestly like the pastor that was there when I, we left and then I've listened to a couple from your current I was like there's no gospel right like you're not going to get anything out of it. Like right. it, it's, it's all law, and right. it was like you need to do this, you need to do that, and it, it, it but candy coated. Right. And uh, it made it. He, it was recorded, and then like, I, they they wound up hearing it, and then the next sermon, literally wound up being about that. Oh, if you don't, uh, if you're not given something in church. Then, or I forget how it was stated, but like I feel sorry for you. You shouldn't be getting anything out of it. You should be giving and blah blah blah. And it was like, well, Jesus came both both and yes, but like Jesus said, he came to serve and not to be served. Right. And Lutherans would still hold that he still does that today from heaven, and um, like he serves us through Holy Communion, through Holy Baptism, and through his word. Right. And like everything in the Lutheran service is supposed to point you to Christ. Literally, right. Every, right. whether it be the artwork, right. uh, everything in the liturgy is supposed to point you to Christ and the gospel. Right. And if it doesn't, then that needs to be changed. Right. And that, that's one of the reasons why the LCMS is kind of in a like some are wanting to go the more contemporary route, get away from the tradition. And uh, because in the the more, uh, not all of them, but some, some of the contemporary will still, it'll just be contemporary songs, but still do the, yeah. the, the liturgy. But, and I have nothing against new songs. It's just whenever you get into the, the Jesus is my boyfriend style lyrics. That's where I, right. I'm going to want to draw the line. But, uh, but then other more are wanting to look more like the Bethels and stuff, but sure. still be Lutheran. Right. And it's like you're you're taken away from things that point you to Christ. Right. And so I so I would say you know to to hit on the point of. I, th- I think it's a both and when it comes to yeah. right in, in the service you should be served and also right but as followers of Christ we are to serve the Lord right and so it's I I come on the Lord's day as I gather with Christ's people mm-hmm. to worship Him 
out of reverence, love, adoration, and obedience, yeah. right? And so in that sense, right, it is me serving, right? I, I am I am worshiping mm. God, but the worship of God, right, is is do him insofar as, right, even just the fact that he is our creator, we are the creature. Yeah. But then also, right, the, the worship of God is for our good because yeah, it conforms our hearts to Christ. And absolutely. It, and it, it, it re, refixes our eyes and, and, and reorients our, our, our perspective um, on the Lord's Day to mm-hmm. Christ. And, and so it's, it's a both and, right? And then yeah. as I go out, I am to labor as unto the Lord and, and so on. So I think it's, yeah. it is a both and. But So I come with an eager expectation of... of Meeting with God's people and 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 the Lord with us mm-hmm. on the Lord's Day um, to 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 be encouraged, re- rebuked, reproved, yeah. corrected, trained, and so mm-hmm. on. And if you are, if you can regularly attend a congregation on the Lord's Day, and you feel spiritually malnourished, and and you're, if every Sunday's a Billy Graham crusade. You know, like yeah. <laughs> that. That is there a time and a place for that? Maybe, mm-hmm. um, but but right. We are the people of God, gathered together for the worship of God and to be yeah. equipped for 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 the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you know, yes, we we call people to repentance. Yes, we call people to faith in Christ. But if I'm going to preach as if this is a Billy Graham crusade every Sunday trying to get people to walk the aisle and, and make, quote-unquote, make a decision for Jesus. I thought this was the church. Yeah. You know, if, if I want to see converts, I should be looking primarily outside the church mm-hmm. to the lost, to those who are not in Christ, who are not gathering together yeah. for the sake of Christ and, and so on. That, like, Lutherans won't do, like, your stand on the corner. Yeah, they won't do the altar call, but, yeah. like, like, it... Stand on the corner and street preach. Okay. We have what we'll call like a doctrine of vocation. Okay. Whether you're a garbage man, a teacher, whatever. Wherever you are, even even at home, like that that's your your mission. Yeah, absolutely. And and so with the doctrine of vocation, it even turns like I've got uh, a baby, you know changing her diaper into a holy work. There, there ain't nothing. It's holy because it's the eighth commandment, taking care of my neighbor. Right. And, and my neighbor in that instance happens to be my one and a half year old daughter. Right. And, and obviously outside of faith, it's not a good work. Sure. But they, we would hold to that. But, right. But, uh, but in faith, that, that becomes a, a good and holy work because I'm taking care of my neighbor. And it, we, there, God's purpose for our life isn't some Gnostic secret revelation that sure. has to come to us. It's, right. it's revealed it to us. Love God, love your neighbor. Sure. How do we do that? Look at the Ten Commandments. Right. And then, uh, right. Yeah, labor and, unto the Lord. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it, and, and and then when when you fail and you will, 
look to Christ and his cross. Right. No, and yeah. forgive it. So we, in seminary, we, uh, I forget the class, but we, we had to talk about, I read a book, I don't remember the name of the book, but it was about the doctrine of vocation. And, mm-hmm. and it was making clear, right, while there's a distinction between um, the call to the clergy mm-hmm. and, and being a layman, that does not mean that your calling is unholy, right? If yeah. it's not, you know, if I'm an engineer, that's an unholy secular calling versus yeah. if you're called to to be a member of the clergy, mm-hmm. that's a holy calling. It's distinct, but it's it's, it's, it's not necessarily more or less holy, yeah. right? In Christ, if I'm laboring for the Lord, if I'm going to go work at Total, Chevron, wherever, mm-hmm. and I do it for Christ, for the sake of his glory, for the sake of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and in that context, I, I am seeking to tell my neighbor about Christ, right? Yeah. Like, you know, praise God. You know, I mean, you, now, I think there's a time and a place for street pe- preaching. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think there's a time and a place for street evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, I, you know, I kind of go back and forth in, uh, like, when I go eat somewhere, like, in my mind, I'm trying to think of, okay, how do I tell my waitress about Christ? And I, I, I tend to beat myself up over it because yeah. I am naturally an introvert. I hate talking to strangers. Yeah, me like, too. I really do. So it's, it's so bad that if I don't think through, like, what I need to do when I'm ordering a pizza mm-hmm. from Domino's when I call them on the phone, if someone's like, hey, I need you to order a large pepperoni pizza, and I'm just, like, calling Domino's, I'm like... They, they answer the phone, and I'm like, huh, and I hang up real quick. I'm like, okay, i got to pre- mentally prep, yeah. and, and, you know, but so, you know, but but at the same time, it's, yes, I fall short, right? Mm-hmm. And so I look to Christ, I look to the cross, but then it's as I go, as, as, I, as, I, as I labor for Christ, as I do what he has set me aside to yeah. do, I tell my neighbor about Christ, not, not out of a, a sense of just strict obligation but out of the like overflow and abundance saved. of my heart because yeah. I, I believe that Christ is the son of God that he is the Messiah and mm-hmm. that he he loves me yeah and that would be a good distinction between law and gospel right. where is that usually gets muddied and uh, if I don't tell this person over here about Christ then I'm not a real Christian right. and like you hear that a lot in in churches and, and it's like no, and it's like you're gonna fail. You're not perfect. That, right. That's one thing I never agreed with while we were in the Methodist church because they believe in like this entire sanctification of you can live, you can become, become perfect. perfect. Yeah. And I, I've talked with somebody uh, who's who's a Methodist pastor, and he was like, "Oh no, you're understanding that wrong." He's like, "Well, please help me then." Right. And he goes to explain it. He's like, "Well, it'd be like if you were like we can still." We can still sin, and I was like, "But the the doctrine says you can't." Like right. when you reach that entire. Right. Well, he's like, "No, like whenever you, let, let's say I was a cashier and I was counting somebody's money back and I gave them the wrong amount of change," and he was like, "Like, see, I'm not perfect." I was like, "But that's not sin. That's just uh, yeah, an honest human mistake. You're like right. you're redefining that, terms now." That's a that's a error in counting, not a yeah. not a sin. It now if I'm you give me a a 15 and I give you, you know, your change is a $20 if it's bill a, if it's and I'm intentional. Now that's theft from yeah. the store because I'm trying to give my buddy an extra five bucks or something, you know, yeah. and, and that's sin. And one thing I really like about Luther's small catechism when it comes to the 10 commandments, which 
You guys are going to number them differently. Number them than, differently. So yeah. the second commandment will be included in the first. Okay. And then we'll divide eighth and ninth or ninth and tenth. I, yeah. I forget. But, uh, but so, like, I'm going to, so our first table is only three commandments, and the okay. second table is seven, where it will be four and six. Right. Um, so, like, in the first commandment, it's like, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And then you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, praise, and give thanks. And in that, with this teaching of the second commandment and the small catechism, like intentionally doing a false teaching behind the pulpit would be breaking the second commandment. Oh, sure. And uh, and then remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear it and learn it. And Lutherans are okay with doing stuff after church. I'm not really honestly on board with that. I, I do still hold more to the Reformed side of the uh of to the, the understanding Sabbath. of the Sabbath, yeah. Um, and and you know it's gonna it's gonna vary from from person to person, group to group on on how yeah. strict you hold it. You know, so like from my understanding of the Sabbath, um, I, I do believe it's a, a day where we ought to set aside as as holy and reverent to the Lord. Yeah. Does that mean you know after church, as I prepare to? Lord willing, go to the evening service on the Lord's Day. Does that mean I can't go outside and play catch with my son? Well, if if playing catch with my son is going to help him have joy in the Lord and, yeah. and then ultimately kind of tire him out so he's more well-behaved at the evening service, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I think the issue Puritans is... Would. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think the issue is not... Um, you know, I don't think you have to hold it so staunchly where it's, I, I cannot do anything but read my Bible, sing mm-hmm. hymns, and or contemporary hymns yeah. or whatever, and like, that's it. Yeah, like, I'm okay with, with that. Right. But, like, where, where I still hold up is if I could have went Saturday or could have, or it can wait till Monday, but I go to to walmart or something to pick up sure. something something you should have probably had in in order beforehand right yeah. and because then essentially you're keeping that person out of church if they wanted to right and that, that was another thing when we were in the baptist church not in the last one we were yeah. in they would always go out to eat as soon as church ended right and then invite them to church which i don't have anything against that sure very, i think that's a very good practice However, coming straight from church to there, how are they supposed to be at church? Right. Whenever they need to be there before you get there. Right. Right. And so I do. I do see issue in that. And uh, and then I know some. I never saw it personally. Or no, no, I did, but it, it was just from more of a layman. Uh, it wasn't like the leadership of the church, but made the waitress feel bad for not being in church. But then 
I, but then I'm there to, to eat. eat. And it's like, you just literally got out 10 minutes earlier. How, yeah, how can I go and eat and then be Mexican here to serve food, you. you be my server, and me then make you feel bad for not being in church? Yeah. Well, if she was in church with you, she wouldn't have been there to serve you, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be eating this Mexican food. So I think, right, like, uh, you, you've got a whole string of issues mm-hmm. there to deal with. And, you know, I, I do think if, if I'm able to do something prior or after the Lord's Day, I should take care mm-hmm. of it then, right? And, yeah, and that, that's one of the reasons why I don't, I haven't tried to get a, a better, like a, a plant job. Sure. I've got a degree in instrumentation. Okay. And I mean, where I'm at though, I work Monday through Friday, every now and then a Saturday. I've never, in the six years I've been there, never had to work a Sunday. Though there has been a time where I've been called out. Sure. Uh, but now if I was in the plant, I'd only be able to make it to church like once a month, if that. Sure. Because of the, the schedule. Right. And I don't want to do that. And because I can take care of my family where I'm at, I would feel... Since it wasn't a job of necessity, please, sure. working in the hospital or something yeah. like that, I would feel in a place of sin by, sure. by taking a job like that. So I, and I, I've tried to explain to my wife that she understands, right. and uh, though she does want me to get a job where I make more, but it's like look, we're we don't I don't not, neither one of us really care for vacations or anything like okay. that and. I mean, it would be nice to travel every now and then, but sure. with the rise of prices and everything, and then where I'm at, just really not feasible. Right. Especially with the size of our family. Right. Uh, and so I'm okay, I'm okay with where I work. And yeah. if ever the Lord so saw it, called me into a place of ministry somewhere, sure. I could be a bivocational Right. Where I'm at. And yeah. Like and I do I do have that inward call. I've had the outward call from Methodist. But I was like, I'm I can't go to your seminary. I, I just I Yeah. But I haven't had the I and then while we were in the Baptist church. And then I was actually making the those steps, but then it just got to the point where I'm not Baptist anymore. I'm so, I just can't. Sure. I can't do this anymore. Sure. And especially here <laughs> because of the issues. Like, I've, I filled in four or five times there and uh, twice in the Methodist church. Yeah. And uh, if, it, if the outward call happens in the Lutheran church where I feel I, I see it lines up with my theology as I'm coming around and everything, as I see it being biblical, if it happens, then, uh, then you know it happens. If not, then uh, because the in the Lutheran Church, the you'll have the inward call. Right. Inward call means nothing without the outward call. Sure. Yeah. And the outward call would be the church calling. Right. And it, 
I, remind me how like the the Baptist church works as far as is it just like hey I feel called and so it depends right so Baptists are odd creatures I would say right because yeah. Baptist is such a, a broad spectrum of they're true and then know. something I didn't know real quick is that down here you're tip, typically Lutheran Presbyterians are going to be more of the mainline liberal yeah, denomination yeah. and then your Baptists are going to be more of the conservative right up north it's flipped right yeah so your liberal Baptists are further north um, typically if you're going to go to a Baptist church in our area mm-hmm. it's going to be SBC by default yeah um but, but even the SBC, as far as I know, and pretty much all I know is SBC life, um, there's not an official, like, ordination process. Yeah. I think it's pretty much left up to the, the church. So, like, if I come to my pastor and I say, hey, Brother John, I, I, I feel called to ministry. Um, I have the inward call. I desire mm-hmm. it. I don't. I don't have to have his blessing to go to seminary. I really don't. Um, I think that's beginning to change on mm-hmm. certain of the Southern Baptist seminaries, but um, like, whereas, and, and and I'm guilty of this to some degree. Like, I, I probably should have pressed in more with my local congregation yeah. before I went to seminary. But it was, it's essentially if you have the call, go to seminary, and then right the outward call is when you submit your resume to a church, and if they accept you, you're good to go. Um, as far as ordination, it could be as simple as, you know, you come up, you lay walk the aisle after a church service, and, you know, the pastor says, Lord bless you, go do it. Yeah. Maybe they lay hands on you and pray, or but but there's no, as far as I know, there's no official ordination process. Yeah. Like, being, like, so at, at my ordination, um, the brother that I was serving on, uh, alongside and, and with and under, um, he actually put together an ordination council. He called faithful brothers. Uh, one was our yeah. association head and, and other ministers from other congregation. And, and I had to sit down and, and, and um, essentially go through, um, uh, answer questions before an ordination yeah. council. And, and uh, they pressed me. Uh, not probably as intense as, say, like Presbyterians mm-hmm. or maybe even Lutherans would, but... Um, like it, it wasn't just a, no, yeah, you're good. You're we're gonna ordain you to the gospel ministry. Yeah. It was, what what is the gospel? Um, you know, we, we had a good time doing it. You know, there yeah. was, uh, and what have you. Like, there were, yeah, we're not gonna get into the, the yeah. peccability or impeccability uh, of Christ, but there was a whole debate over that. But um, so I mean, it, Baptists are odd ducks. Yeah. Because just because something is over here, this is the way this Baptist church runs, doesn't mean Baptists over yeah. here are the same. Even within the SBC. Yeah, because it's not, it's just a group and not Right, we are, we are a, we are an association of churches. Yeah. There's no official hard, like so, when the SBC hands down a decision, unless you're amending the constitution and, and bylaws of yeah. the SBC, which I believe we're doing so we had the whole debacle of whether or not um, the women's women can be uh, pastors. And then Saddleback. and Yeah, with Saddleback and everything else. And 
you know. I didn't even know they were SBC until all that happened. I didn't know Stephen Furtick's church was SBC. I knew they that. left after the SBC this last year. But like, so I mean, unless unless certain documents are like ratified and, yeah. and amended, like all the um, and I forget what we call them, um, but when they they. They're not amendments. They're not statements. I don't remember what they call them, but when they, they make official statements on certain things saying we do da 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 like it's not binding on a local congregation. Whereas um, in the PCA, if something is ruled on by the General Assembly, if once it's added to Book of Church Order, it's it's this is the official teaching of the church, and you yeah. will hold to it. Yeah, that's how it would be in the Lutheran church as well. Yeah. And, um, and then we do... Seminary is not the only route in the Lutheran church. Okay. It's the normal... Normal preferred... Preferred route. Okay. But we do have alternative routes. Uh, like, there is this one route called the alternate route. And uh, granted, all of them require education. The alternate route would be like a step down from seminary. Okay. It won't require as much Greek and Hebrew as yep. a full MDiv. Yep. And is you have to at least be 35 years old or older okay. to to go that route. Right. And then there's the SMP, which is the specific or special ministry pastor something like that and that would be like a, a church like I'm at or a church plant needing a pastor nobody to fill it nobody nobody's willing to take the call and they call somebody within the congregation okay. that person says okay and then it's mostly online okay it's still four years. Yeah. All, all the the alternate routes four years. This, but the alternate route you still go to the seminary. It's just not as as robust. Okay. Um, and then, but the S and P you go once a week at the beginning of every year. You do go to the seminary, and then the rest of it's online. So for four weeks out of those four years, you'll be at the seminary. Right. Um. I think after the second year, you become, I don't remember. No, no, maybe maybe on the SMP, it's, you become a vicar your second year. You can start helping out. You still can't do anything by yourself. I've looked into it, but I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. At one point, before you even finish, you can start doing everything. But like you're fully ordained. I think that might actually be after the second year. Really? They they go ahead and fully ordain you, and you you finish that out. Okay. And you can, you don't have to have like you still re- report to your local the local pastor that's helping you, and but he doesn't have to be there. Like you can start administering the sacraments and all that by yourself, and uh, and then. I know, like, through seminary, your third year, you're actually not in class at all. Okay. You serve as a vicar for the whole year at a 
congregation they send you to, and uh, that's part of your education. You help pastor helps you do sermons, right. and then you'll help with the the sacraments. And I don't really remember exactly how the alternate program is, yeah. but uh, yeah. which is the route I'm wanting to take because. Okay seminary you need the bachelor's I don't have a bachelor's I just have the associates right. that, that's if there's that outward yeah, yeah and so it'll either wind up being the alternate or the SMP right for for me yeah and see that's the so I believe and to be clear I'm no expert in, in the PCA but I believe you are required to be to be an ordained minister in the PCA you have to go to seminary uh there there's exceptions there's, prob- I, I there's, exceptions, I there's exceptions but there but that's the norm yeah um, and the exceptions are going to be a bit more rare right then I, I think it's a bit more strenuous within the PCA than it is the LCMS right uh, uh, but so like at least in Baptist circles mm-hmm. seminary is preferred but completely optional. But, but completely optional. If if you are able to somehow get get installed at, in, mm-hmm. in a church at a pulpit and you have 35-plus years of ministry experience and so on, I mean, they don't care whether or not you have a, a Master's of Divinity or not, right, because you've got 35 years yeah. of ministry experience. Now, you know, and, and typically the argument is, um, right, Timothy didn't go to seminary. Titus didn't go to seminary. Spurgeon didn't go Spurgeon to seminary. Spurgeon didn't go to seminary. Well, I'm not Timothy, Titus, or Spurgeon. Let's exactly. be clear on that. Um, so you, do, do I think the biblical model teaches that that we ought to be raising up pastors, teachers, elders with, from within the church? Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think seminary has its place too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, you know, it's... I don't know. Um, and... I mean, the, the education system back then was different, too. Absolutely. And then, which it was, it was it's closer to what it is now in Spurgeon's day. Oh, absolutely. But then it was, like, back in Timothy's day. Right. But the difference is they were under Paul. Paul. Yeah, they were. They, and it was, I'm sure, just as robust. Oh, it was if probably not far more, more rigorous than seminary. seminary. Because, yeah, Timothy and Titus, they're hanging out with the Apostle Paul. They're hanging out with him as he travels, when he's mm-hmm. a, a, a prisoner. Like, right, they're... they're Witnessing <laughs> when, when, you know, everything. Titus is hanging out in Crete, and, and he gets a letter from, from Paul. He's like, hey, this is why I left you in Crete, da-da-da-da. And, and so, like... He's he's been hanging out with him, traveling with him, learning from him. Mm-hmm. Like Paul's not just I don't I really doubt, you know, they're just hanging out on a Thursday evening on the way to like playing cards Lystra and playing like like <clears throat> Paul's busting out his his whatever he, he might have, whether it's a, a portion of Isaiah or whatever, and, and teaching Titus, hey, here's how yeah. we understand Isaiah 52, 53. Um, here's here's how we read the prophet Obadiah yeah. and, and so on and and instructing him in the faith and then establishing him and create to appoint elders and so on. Yeah. And so, you know, was seminary a thing back for Titus? No. But he had it's something he had something to to be instructed. Somebody to be instructed mm-hmm. by. Now, you know, again, if if you can find a local church 
that has somebody who is teaching somebody the robust things of the faith, mm-hmm. praise God. Yeah. But very rarely will you find a man who comes out with the inward and outward call to yeah. the ministry within at least a Baptist church who can, you know, in a robust manner articulate mm-hmm. the faith and, and to be able to give at least credence to church history and so on Yeah. outside of seminary. And whenever I was having issues within the Methodist church, then again in the that Baptist church we went to afterwards, and I had voiced my complaints to some friends, and all of them were like, you should start your own church. You don't know how tempted I was to actually do that. Like, I was, I was legitimately, like, planning it. Like, how can I hold this in our house? Like, how can I s- arrange our living room up to hold the most amount of people until we could secure, like, a permanent spot or another place? And, like, I was legitimately, like, thinking through it, tempted. But that's where I think issues arise sure. it wasn't it wasn't a church being planted by the church it was just hey I've got these issues let me start a new church of without any uh, supervision yep. without any no oversight. oversight you're just hanging out there by yourself hanging out there by myself and like ultimately I, I just killed the idea and yeah. I was just like I can't do it and then right. we're like why I was like because I'm a sinful man if, it, if it's left to me I'm going to make it into a cult of my personality even though it's a and that's where you get churches good. that are built on preference not on doctrine mm-hmm. um, when I was in Kansas City I, um, lo and behold I, I met a guy he is a missionary from China to mm-hmm. the United States yeah, that's actually so the we have mi- we have missionaries coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. from China, and we get, we've got Lutheran missionaries from like Ethiopia and yeah. stuff coming from from there Absolutely. to to the United States. But so I got to talk with this guy real briefly one time. But but he told me he said, Cody, you have churches based on preference, not on doctrine mm-hmm. here in the United States. And I said, What do you mean? He said, If you had Churches that were truly built on doctrine, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have cowboy churches. Yeah. And I said, you got a point. He said, why Why is it okay to have a cowboy church but not a Star Wars church? Yeah. Or That's what a, about a Lord of the Rings church? Or yeah. what about, right? And he, he went off on a list. And he said, if you actually believe that this is the word of God mm-hmm. and you stand upon it, you wouldn't cater to people's preference. You would cater to what does the Bible yeah. say. And you and, would stand upon it. And that's why I think confessional churches are important regardless if you you hold you you hold to those confessions or not right. like like the Westminster standard or the London Baptist sure uh, or, or or the uh, book of Concord right and, you know if you don't have that well, like, this is what we believe the Bible to clearly teach and obviously none of them are these little thin books it's it's robust right, right. And, but it, it's a lot what's the word i'm looking for it's a it's a good summary of scripture without just being watered down right. and 
so that way the pastor starts teaching on something and be like, hey, that's not in our confessions. Like, right. like if our confession is wrong, our confession is wrong. Right. But but the confession should point, should to, point to Scripture. scripture. And, and, and so you would have to point to Scripture to prove where mm-hmm. the confession is wrong, and then we yeah. need to amend the confession. Yeah, exactly. And so like going back to one of my buddies I was talking about earlier and who was like, oh, well, that just sounds too Roman Catholic. His church's assemblies of God, and I don't know much about them other than they're charismatic, charismatic come yep. out of uh, Pentecostalism. Yeah, but this, this particular one at least sounds very Baptist. They're going to be Baptistical. Ba- and uh, yeah, just Baptist theology with the tongues and all that. Right, yeah. You, you're and, assemblies of God, by and large, from what I understand, they're basically Baptists that are really. Cons- pretty uh, much more contemporary with with a heavy splash of, of charismatic, charismatic stuff, yeah. towards it. And that, that's definitely what how his congregation comes. Any, but anyway, not a, they've actually got on their website they hold to the uh, Apostles and Ninth Seed Creed. I was like, oh, awesome. Cool. Like, this is really yeah. like awesome. I brought it up to him. He's like, what's that? I was like, it's on your church's website. Right. Oh, what's the apostles from that? Read it to him. He's like, oh, okay. And uh, I was like, how do you not know what your church teaches? And I'm like, we were, we went on and on. And he was like, man, you seem to be like really obsessed with like what other denominations believe. And it's like, I mean, that may be so, but like, I want to know what they teach so right. I can. So, so if I this can, is closer to scripture, then. Right. And. I was like, then uh, he's like, you just need to just go to the church, man. And I was like, all right, why don't you go to a Lutheran church? Or why, why don't you go to a Methodist church? And, well, I don't believe what they, I think they, I don't believe what I think they believe in or whatever. Yeah. Well, how do you what, know what they believe? Yeah, how do you know what they believe in? Uh, I was like, it sounds like you're too obsessed if you don't want to, you want to go. Right. And, um. Uh, it's because we, we tend to perpetuate the tradition we're brought up in, mm-hmm. not because well, we were convinced see, we actually, by Scripture, but because uh, of... We actually had that long out. conversation after I started going to the Lutheran church because we grew up very similar. Right. We were both under Keith. Okay. And, uh, I mean, granted, we both started out in, in different churches. Right. Me uh, and the Calvinistic IFB under my grandpa, and then him... Uh, at another Baptist church yeah. until we were both about the same age. All of our friends were going. My grandpa retired, and then all of our friends were going to to Winfrey under Keith at the time. And so, like, we grew up very, very similar. And yeah. then it wasn't until our adult, uh, early adulthood we kind of started splitting. Right. Like, like I'm, uh, I'm almost 34 now, and he's just a month older than me. Okay. And so it was probably like when we were 20, it was probably about like when we were like 25, we probably started yeah. splitting on like our theological differences. And uh, so I was just wanting to see like where it was, where we start like how did I go right he go left or right. vice versa or I don't yeah. I'm not really meaning it in those kind yeah, of terms yeah, yeah. but he went um, one way you went the yeah. other yeah and 
I went to something super traditional. He went to something super contemporary. And I, th- I think it just really boiled down to it was just preference, and I wanted something grounded in right. that was grounded in doctrine. Right. And uh, like at one point he he was like, well, like, but why go there? Like they sing all those like super traditional songs. Like he had at least a little bit of knowledge to know that we sang songs from from like the early early church. Yeah. From like Augustine's there, or do yeah. you say Augustine? I say Augustine. I say Augustine. Okay, good. Augustine is, um, from what I understand, the more um, broad way to say it, but I think yeah. that's influenced based on um, Hispanic pronunciation, right? Because it's uh, okay. San Augustine, right? Is, yeah, is the town yeah. north of us, but but if I'm gonna say his name, it's Saint Augustine. Yeah, he he at least knew we sang really really old songs. Okay. In the Lutheran Church, which I mean, we sing newer ones too, just not. We wouldn't sing Bethel or anything like that. Okay. But anyway, he was like, "Man, I know, I know what kind of music you listen to. So, like, what, like, what's the, like, what's up with that?" And I was like, well, "You're confusing entertainment versus worship, right?" And like, I, th- I think there should be, we should get some sort of enjoyment. Sure. But just because it's enjoyable doesn't mean it's Six Flags, you know, right. or Schlitterbahn right. or something like that. Like, but uh, like like one of the things he was referencing was the music I listened to is this, which you probably won't like it. But what is it? Is it becoming the archetype? I was gonna play something else, but I mean, okay. along the same lines. Okay, no, dude, and I'm I was, just I kid you not. I was listening to um, becoming the archetypes' uh, newest album. What's it called? Uh, Children of the Great Extinction on the way oh, here. Oh, that's good. It's like <laughs> I didn't know you. Oh yeah, bro, I'm wearing a Wolves at the Gate T-shirt. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, so Wolves uh, at the Gate was actually uh, by God's providence. Um, heavy-handed in how I came yeah. to, to know the Lord. Um, so. yeah. uh, the Happy Baptist will probably enjoy this if he hears it. Oh, yeah. Stop it there, so I don't get struck for copyright. What is that? It's trenches. Have you ever heard of Haste the Day? Yeah. So that's the original singer. Oh, or, sick. And uh, yeah. dude, I've, I, that album came out when I was like 17, 18. Yeah. Shortly after he left Haste the Day, and uh, they didn't release another one until I was like 32. And, uh, and when it came out, I was like, oh, awesome! And I, yeah. and uh, I was like. Like uh, Adam was posting some, going through what he was listening to at, at this point when the right. album came out, and was like, "You need to check this out." <laughs> and uh, yeah. but uh, they're not everybody's cup of tea, but I yeah. I, I, I really like them. Yeah. And uh, but he was like, "Yeah, man, I know you like like you like trenches and becoming the archetype and and all this." And I was like, "Yeah, that, that's entertainment." And right. And then then he it got on the topic of. 
of the not being uh, we got started talking about like singing psalms okay. and he's like well why would you do that and I was like one it's inspired by God two it's commanded right. and since it's inspired by God don't have to worry if it's correct or not right and uh well he's like well trenches isn't inspired by God and I was like no no not unless they're singing the hymn that's the psalms yeah I mean, and I was now that and would then be he's sick. like and then he was like they're not they're not Christian I was like and the band itself, no. I, I was like, I think Jimmy Ryan, which is the the front man, I was like, yeah. I, I'm still sure he he uh, confesses Christ, but sure. I was like, I don't think the other members do. Yeah. And uh, he was like, well, then what about becoming the archetype? I was like, like no. He's like, at, at least not in the same way that scripture is. Right. And he's like, well, well, hold on, hold on. But, but are they inspired? I was like, like no, not in the same way. He's like, I'm not talking about that. Are they inspired? I was like, maybe like, looking out at nature and being like yeah, and, inspired by that but that's that's, that's, that's not, not we're not using God the term breathe, yeah. we're, when we talk about the inspiration of scripture versus like Shakespeare being yeah. inspired to write a play yeah I was like that's, those was are like, not the same yeah and that's what I was trying to explain to him and he was like that's still inspiration I was like no yeah, it's like we it's like that's why the English language sucks right when I'm talking about me being an inspired individual I'm talking about being moved by something yeah. Um, or, or, or brought to some point of right the things that, that cause men to write poetry are, yeah. are typically nature God or a beautiful woman mm-hmm. those, are, those are the most common right and then even even you could say even all three of those would be or the other two would still be inspired by God since it's God's creation right. But, but, and, but it's still not. But I'm being, breeze. you know, when, when I if I if I write a poem about a beautiful woman, right? I'm inspired by that in mm-hmm. in one way. When I'm talking about the inspiration of Scripture, I'm talking about mm-hmm. men being carried along by the Holy by the Holy Spirit to write down yeah. the very words of God. Those are not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. And I, he, as much as I love my buddy, he couldn't grasp that. Right. And, and it all came down to preference. And then he, he seemed kind of offended. I don't know if offended is the right word, but about singing the songs. He's like, well, why do you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? I was like, why would you not want yeah, to? Yeah, why would you not want to? He's like, we're even, and I, I even went to the, where Jesus says, or, no, Jesus don't say it. Who's, about singing uh, psalms, psalms, hymns, hymns and spirituals. Spiritual is that, did, that's it, Paul. Paul. That yeah, is, yeah. um, I mean, I guess we could still say it was Jesus since... I mean, it's the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Holy Spirit. The, very, the very Spirit of God <laughs> speaking through but, uh, the hands of the Apostle, but yeah. and uh, But he's like, see, see the, the spiritual songs. I was like, okay, like, like let's not get into the, the, the actual original languages here. For, like, we'll just go off of the English right now. I was like, look, all right, I'm not arguing against these, sure. these spiritual songs, sure. but those spiritual songs need to be doctrinally sound they need to they need to be rooted here and, and that's, that's and not the difference. my feelings and then and then you're leaving out the songs right and yeah if you just uh, if you just throw the psalms out out the window I think you're doing the church at, at minimum a great disservice oh yeah I mean like I didn't grow up in a psalm singing yeah, tradition do you have a psalter with you there's a psalter in here. Hey. I don't have one with me, though, okay. like a, a specific yeah. psalter. But, yeah, so the very beginning, right after the 
table of contents and like glossary of terms straight into the Psalms. The Psalms. Yeah. And I wish I would have brought my 1650 with me. I love that thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and like you have poetry and songs mm-hmm. inspired by the Holy Spirit. Why would we not want to write whatever? And, and right, there are people writing good contemporary hymns yeah, even today. Yeah. But but does the does the music we sing as the gathered people of God draw us heavenward? Does it fix our eyes on Jesus? Does it help us to teach good theology to the to those among us? Or is it just turn us in? Or is it just how we feel? Right? Especially at let's say ten o'clock on a on a Sunday morning, I cannot begin with Daddy God, I wanna just hug you and squeeze you. Like yeah. first of all, I want to throw up. <laughs> um, second of all, like Where's the where's the reverence? Where's the awe? Where's the right? right. Mm-hmm. What does that none. teach me about God? Nothing. <laughs> what what does it teach me about my need of Christ? Mm-hmm. What is it? What, what does it remind me that that Christ has forgiven my mm-hmm. sins? And that's another thing I really, after going to the Lutheran Church for the first time, that kept me drawn back was everything. It was nothing was inward focused it was all Christ what has he done like how how does this how does this reflect God how does it and and nothing nothing about my salvation sanctification anything like that should be turned inward it should always be they use the Latin extranos which just is outside ourselves outside of ourselves right and uh, like this hymn is one of my favorite uh, Lutheran hymns Sadly, we haven't sung it at church since we've been there. Okay. But going through, I actually first heard it on Flint, one of Flames' albums. And uh, I don't really care for rap, but he's been doing some really good stuff. Okay. But uh, I'm going to read uh, verse 4. Okay. Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise though I lie in dust and ashes faith's assurance brightly flashes baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mind like the, the whole hymn is like beautiful I mean granted it it, it does take so for you I, I'm saying granted not for me because I'm more in line with the view of baptism in the sure, song sure. but it's it's a beautiful hymn. Like the very first words are God's own child, I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. He, because I could not pay it, gave my full redemption price. Do I need earth's treasures many? I have one worth more than any. That brought me salvation free, lasting to eternity. You don't get that with Bethel or Hill's Elevation, all that. And, Right. I mean that that is it's dripping with right that is theology. saturated with theology and Christ and that that is what feeds my soul mm-hmm. you know we, and that's not to say you can't sing hymns in a contemporary way or, yeah. or, or, or even more modern hymns yeah. but what 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 we sing and, and what 
we are confessing the faith even in worship, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And so L- the Lutherans words we sing matter. That. Yeah. It, it teaches the congregation. It and teaches our children if if we keep the children in there. Um, oh, I, don't, I hate, don't get me I up. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of even having the little you know, children's sermon up front, but don't ship them off to another room of who knows what's even going on. Like, let them grow. That just teaches them let's have fun. And then when they do come into the congregation, they expect more fun. If last I looked at the statistics, I think it's upwards of 70% of students who are involved in the church in some capacity mm-hmm. leave the church when they graduate from high school. Yeah. Well, wh- right, and, and the, the at least in Baptist churches, the question is, well, how do we get them to, to participate in the church? Well, you haven't wanted them to participate in the church at all up until they were 18. You 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 send them off to mm-hmm. children's church and you, you, you don't keep them in there for yeah. the, the complete worship service and the preaching and teaching of God's word and then when they're done with children's church then they get involved in the youth group and many churches at least that I know I think even in our area uh, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights they're not part of the the, yeah, the body it's all separate. and so it's all separate and then and then all of a sudden you expect them when they graduate high school to, to just, just integrate, integrate perfectly. perfectly and they have no understanding of what it means at least in a baptist church to be part of, of a business mm-hmm. meeting like who's going to explain that to them yeah they they've never read the church documents of what they believe and why they believe it um the, the only time at least in a typically in a baptist church somebody comes and asks for the constitution and bylaws is when they're angry and and <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and so it's we you, you know you, you how are you going to expect your children to uh, to uh, uh, how are you going to expect your children to uh, be a part of the church when you haven't yeah. taught them just just in life what it means to be part of the church yeah and and you know the same could, could be said about adults how do you, how do you expect members of the church to be members of the church when when we don't know what the church believes exactly like, you know you you at least in your typical baptist church all you have to do is walk the aisle at the end of the service mm-hmm. shake the pastor's hand he's going to pray with you all you got to do is say i want to join the church and it's yes i believe in jesus and yes i've been baptized you're part mm-hmm. of the church right they say what is the pleasure of the church i have not heard this brother confess christ I don't. He hasn't articulated the gospel. I don't. I don't see fruit of repentance unto life in his in his life. I have. I don't know this guy from Adam, and yeah. now he is a member of this body. Yeah, and in, in the Lutheran Church, we had to. They'll do it for kids too, but we went through what was called the adult confirmation, right. and then once uh, my kids are old enough, which they'll all be old enough at different times because of their age gap but they'll go through catechism which sounds catholic sure but but it's they're not the only ones that have it like the methodist church actually has a catechism baptists have catechisms oh yeah there is a there's a baptist yeah i didn't even know that until Uh, hercules collins put together the orthodox catechism which is the heidelberg with like minus their 
baptism, baptism stuff. Yeah. It's it's basically just a modified Heidelberg. Well, ain't that what the London Baptist Confession is? Just a modified There's, version of the Westminster? Uh, yeah. So, man, I had I had a hardback uh, 1689 with catechism, and I gave it away because mm. somebody needed it. I was like, hey, have it. Yeah. And I haven't ordered another one, but yeah, there it, it has a catechism in it, and so yeah, I Baptists didn't even... historically are confessional people and, yeah. and catechism people. And I didn't know this until like a couple years ago, and I was like, what the? And then what was crazy too is, as I started reading like the Canons of Dort, yeah, um, how much I realized what I grew up with actually aligned with it, yeah, even though. It was Baptist, and that sure. was more of a Dutch Reformed Presbyterian yeah. uh, document. And I was just like, like, wow, like, 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 I'm sure my grandpa didn't even know anything about it. But that that kind of goes back to the IFB thing. We were just on the the fringe side of it since we were like soteriologically Calvinistic. Yeah, the Canons of Dort was wound up being so much closer to what I grew up with. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if my grandpa really knew about it because yeah. being in the IFB and everything, everything else was kind of too Catholic. But yeah. uh, like it, I was really surprised about how close we actually were to it and being, I guess, traditionally so right. far away from it. You know, I, I think there's value in looking into these things. That, that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I can expect every single church member to know everything in church history no, and so on. No, you, right? But, that, but I think, at least in our context, we have such a, a low church. Low church is, is so just in, in it's who we are that that we never encourage our people to strive higher and to to understand the value in church history. I mean, I think there's this this dreadful arrogance in in modern evangelicalism, especially in the United States, to think that we've kind of arrived as the church and we're doing it right compared to the last you know two thousand plus years of church history. Yeah, and and to to think that you know the typical Baptist churches, this is the way the early church was doing. (laughs) And even, not even in just church history, but as secular history, world history in general, you know, we look at ancient Egyptian, the pyramids, well, they didn't have any of these modern instruments, so therefore it must have been aliens or or something else, you know, like just because they were thousands of years ago were, were stupid is oh, right. was a dumb argument. Yeah, because they didn't have smartphones. They were imbeciles. We don't understand the pyramids. I mean, the the the, the specificity to which they're mm. built is staggering. Yeah. I mean, in, in one of them, uh, I, uh, it's been a while since I, I was reading about the pyramids, but in one of the pyramids, um, like you have these massive granite beams, like really high up, mm-hmm. that that are supporting certain portions of the pyramid, to, and like they would not, at least from 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 our perspective, they would not have had the technology to with with simple 
machines mm-hmm. to move these several thousand ton granite beams and put them in mm-hmm. place. You yeah. would have had to have had a um, a ramp that's no, I think it's, I think, and I'm saying I think because I'm not a math expert. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you But to I want to say it's like a less than a two, two degree incline mm-hmm. and it had to have been several miles long for them to get it to, to the elevation that it's at. Yeah. That's ludicrous. You know, uh, so... Like, and, yeah, so we think we're smarter than them, but really they're smarter than us. Think what they oh, could sure. have accomplished with what we have today. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, it, so if you ever get the chance and you're in Oklahoma, if you're driving through Oklahoma, Heathner, Man, I'm bar- Oklahoma... I've barely left southeast okay. Texas. Okay, well, so if you ever if you ever end up near Heathner, Oklahoma... There's, uh, I left my water jug in my, in my truck, mm-hmm. but... Um, there's this Hevener, Oklahoma, middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. but they've got a state park. It's called Runestone State Park. Now, I'm a weirdo and a nerd, and I like this kind of stuff. So if you don't mm-hmm. like it, you're like, this is a waste of time. But you just go there. Beautiful place to stop um, on the way to Kansas City, by the way. So I w- anytime I make the drive, I finally stopped, got out, stretched my legs. But they have this, what they call the Runestone, and it's mm-hmm. this massive stone with a handful of Scandinavian runes carved onto it. Um, and they translated it, and it says something along the lines of like Gloams Valley or something. It yeah. was it was probably a property marker, but but just the the fact that there were probably Scandinavians here prior to Christopher Columbus. Yeah, and they they, they probably sailed up the the Mississippi mm-hmm. and, and were in Oklahoma. That's fascinating. Yeah, I've heard I've heard but, that before. Yeah, but but just you know, we think we're so sophisticated. How are you going to tell me that, that Scandinavian Vikings were stupid, but they were able to, to, to sail the sea and then <laughs> up the Mississippi and, and, and settle in Oklahoma? Yeah. You know? Hey, and then the printing press, going still talking about history, was actually invented by the Chinese yeah. like way before. Yeah. It just didn't catch on because of all their mm-hmm. characters. It wound up being more uh-huh. efficient to just... Right handwrite it and it's it's crazy how though that the pretty much the exact same invention just pops up somewhere else right you know and so i think that when, when you around the time of the reformation too absolutely. which helped spark right um so you know i think i don't remember who said it but but somebody said that, that America is very anti-intellectual. And I think you see that in the church. There's oh, almost yeah. this pride that we don't know certain mm-hmm. things. And, and, and I think that's dangerous because, you know, yes, it is faith alone, but that does not mean you should not know It's things. blind. Right, it's blind faith. And, and the Bible, the Bible nowhere encourages blind no. faith. And that, that's how it's typically... Not actually stated, but when used, that's essentially how it's meant nowadays. But right. biblically speaking, faith is looking at the promises of God, what right. He's done in the past, right. and trusting His promises. Right, and it's, to to know the promises and to to know God. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, and and typically it's 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 you rip apart knowing God and knowing about God when when they're. They're two pieces of the same puzzle. I, I am to know God and to know about Him. 
Mm-hmm. And, and because the more I know about him, right, I know his character and so on, that, that helps me to know him because I cannot divorce God and who he is. Like, he, yeah. he, just, he is who he is. And so as I know more about his, his love, his jealousy, his goodness, his compassion, mm-hmm. his, and, and all of his character, I know him more intimately. Yeah. And so it's, you know, as I study the deep things, the hypostatic union, and I'm reading the Athanasian mm-hmm. Creed, I'm knowing more of God. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we don't need that. That's too Catholic or whatever. Yeah. Or I don't need to know more about God. I just need to know God, and I need to experience God. Yeah, well, the, the experience. Right. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't write so many letters for no reason. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, from my perspective. Yeah. You know, we're, we're supposed to be striving to present ourselves mature in Christ. And it always comes down in modern evangelicalism, that subjective, it's subjective. experience. Right. I don't need you or anybody else. I just need me and my Bible because yeah, the Holy because Spirit will illuminate what I need to know. Well, yes, the Holy Spirit will illumine insofar as he does. But, but that does not mean you do not need brothers and sisters to come alongside you. When you begin to do theology in a vacuum, you end up in a very dangerous place. Very, very. And it's essentially saying I don't have to listen to my pastor. Right. I don't have to listen to church history. Right. I mean, granted, it, they should both be put in place under right. Scripture. Absolutely. But... To completely ignore the fact that God's been working through the church for 2,000 years. Right. Or to, we didn't get it right again until the 50s, as the IFB would say, you know, under right. the Ruckmanite followings. And it's, it's very, goes back to arrogance of like, right. we got it right, they got it wrong. Right. We don't need to listen to them. Church history is starting now. And it's like, no. Yeah. And, I mean, just because it is tradition also doesn't mean it's correct either. But, right. But we got a lot to learn from it. Absolutely. You know, I, to completely ignore church history is arrogance and foolishness. To elevate it to the same place as Scripture is blasphemous. Yeah. And so it, it has its proper place, mm-hmm. right? If I find myself opposing the entirety of church history, I should tread lightly. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. the church is always right, right? The church has been wrong on many things. Yeah. And, and the church has erred, right? Hence the Reformation and, mm-hmm. and so on. And so, but, but it does have its place. It does carry weight. And, oh, and yeah. so to d- dismiss it in and of itself, I think is, is arrogant. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, I mean, so take, take the issue um, of... of the use of alcohol, right? The church has, mm-hmm. has been all over the map on that, that, oh, yeah. that thing. But, you know, at least in the States, when you look at it historically, the church kind of saddled up to the Prohibition movement and, mm-hmm. and somehow that infiltrated the SBC yeah. and at least and, and a major portion of Pentecostalism as well. Mm-hmm. And there, there are... And United Methodists. And, well, yeah, or not see, just United Methodists, since they're, they're, they're actually a new denomination yeah they're like uh, 60s i think yeah and but 
but you still have people in the church today mm-hmm. who, who will say Christians should not under any circumstance drink alcohol it is sinful are you saying that our brothers around the world outside the US who are. do not hold that are sinning never have because we, we tend when we think of the world and the church in America at least here <laughs> I mean, you take the globe and you seem to blow up the United States because yeah. we, we don't think about the rest of the world. We don't think about our brothers in Africa, Asia, the UK, and yeah. so on. Like, there are churches in the UK, like, I guarantee you, there are people who go to the Metropolitan Tabernacle, they go on the Lord's Day, and they hear the word preached, sung, prayed, taught, and so on, and then afterwards, portions of them gather together and they drink a beer yeah. to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of, I say a lot, there's a there's a few podcasts I listen to where they'll have some bourbon or scotch yeah. or something while they're sure. talking theology, smoking cigar. Right. And that, like that, that's something Spurgeon liked was his cigars. Yeah, Spurgeon. <laughs> there's a portrait. So uh, Midwestern Seminary, mm-hmm. they have the Spurgeon College. Um, they have the largest collection of Spurgeon's yeah. personal library. They actually just acquired over 11,000 pieces from Spurgeon's College that was yeah. that Spurgeon founded in the UK. Uh, this, I think this last week. I came in. Oh, that's cool. Super cool. Um, but but if I remember correctly, there's one portrait they have of Spurgeon where, or and it may not be at the Spurgeon College, um, but there's a portrait where clearly he should be holding a cigar in the pulpit mm-hmm. and they've intentionally Removed left it, it out. I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, don't try to edit and sanitize history. Yeah. Leave it. At, like It's like Walt Disney World. You go to Walt Disney World, they've got a picture of Walt Disney everywhere. His fingers are always like this. He should be holding a cigarette, mm-hmm. but he smoked himself to death. Like, okay, I get it. Not a good image for the kids. I'm not saying we should advertise smoking cigarettes yeah. for children. But don't sanitize history. You know? Yeah. History's not always pretty. No. But 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 what, it needs to be told truthfully. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> You know, I mean... And so going back to the prohibition... Yeah. Do you know what denomination started the grape juice movement? Oh, it was um, the Wesleyans, wasn't it? Wesleyan, yeah. You sent me the article on... um, They were the guys that started the the non-common cup stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot I sent you that. Yeah, I was really surprised. I started thinking about it because I was reading a book called Lutheranism 101. Yeah. And we slowly have turned this table. I don't know how it happened, (laughs) but... Uh, I was really surprised about that. Like the book I was reading, Lutheranism 101, uh, attributed it to the Reformed starting the the shot glasses. And he, in the book, it it cited the work where he got it from, but I had no access to it, had no clue how to get access to it. So I I put it out there on Twitter and... uh, an Anglican brother sent me that article okay. I wound up sending you. And but like what if you want a common cup shot glass, that's your sure your, do what your conviction tells you. Yeah. I, I do I, I partake from the the common cup at church and about half of us do the common, the other do the, the shot glass. Yeah. And but I was really surprised in that article that showing they were taking pride in getting away from something that had been 
done for so long. Right. Like, oh, no, we were the first. We were the first. No, we were the first. No, we were the first. And it wound up being, at least according to this article, that the, the Wesleyans yeah. were the, this one congregation wound up being the first. And so they had the, invented the grape juice, what we know grape juice is today. Yeah. And then... Wasn't, wasn't um, Welch? Yeah. Uh, his, 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 the his, Methodist? Yeah. And it, it was the Welch family. Yeah. And they're the ones who invented grape juice as we know it today. Right. And love Welch's grape juice, by the way. It's so tasty. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't remember his name. I think it may have, may have been like Thomas Welch. But it, it actually, the guy who originally did it, it didn't take on right then. It wasn't until a little later on that his son was like, hey, try it again. And then that's when it, it took up, took on. And, but then I like, I don't know if you went all the way to the bottom where it would have been in the, the comment section of this article. I didn't think I did. There was a, a lady in there who was like just absolutely disgusted with the thought of the common cup. And she's like, I am not going to partake, drink after all these strangers. And I'm like, these are your brothers and sisters. Yeah, these should not be strangers. These aren't strangers. And like, I mean, I, I, I get it. I'm not going to knock somebody for wanting to be conscientious right, about right, about right, that right. stuff but like the fact that she called the her fellow members of her congregation strangers like that's, shocked me that's a that's a problem right and now. that's and i i don't think that's an isolated thought either no but, at but least that, in america that ties in in america we are radically individual and and it's not it's never been me and jesus it's always been the body right and and that's I don't care where you go at some point in a church in America we are far more even even the most reformed churches mm-hmm. are are while there there there's a push against that there mm-hmm. they are you, you go to a church somewhere else in the world that that isn't let's say a western church yeah very communal it is not mm-hmm. about the the individual it's about the body yeah. Far more than uh, right mm-hmm. because here it's me and Jesus, right? especially within evangelicalism. Yeah. It's me and Jesus. If I don't like what's going on here, I take my ball and go home. Mm-hmm. I'll say we're family until you make me angry, and then yeah. and then I'm I'm going to go be family somewhere yeah. else. Whereas you know, you do that at Thanksgiving. You know, are you going to tell your uncle he's not long, no longer welcome at Thanksgiving? Maybe. You know, I mean, I. I don't know too many people who have done that to, yeah. to actual family members. Does happen, very rare though. Right? Oh yeah. Um, I might be, I might get angry at an uncle or a grandparent or a brother or a sister, but at the end of the day, they're still family. Yeah. And I love them, and I bear it out, and I grit it out in Christ with them. And to my shame, I'll say this: about five years ago, no, coming up on six years ago. Uh, me and my wife put our house up for sale. Mm-hmm. It sold a lot quicker than we were expecting. Oh, wow. I didn't think it was going to sell at all. And oh, it wow. sold within a month of us listing it. Wow. And uh, so we move in with my parents okay. until we can find another place. Yeah. And we were there a couple months before we found something closed and we were able to move in. Well, it was happened to be Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, rolled around. We were still there. And we had this dog. He was a puppy, and we still have him, but uh, my dad didn't want him inside. 
I was perfectly fine with that. And like, sure. like, like I'm living in your house, mm-hmm. won't bring them inside. Well, at Thanksgiving, people are coming in and out, in and out, in and out, letting them in. Right. I'm having to put them out. My dad, my dad says something. You know, he keeps saying something every time and like getting on to me about it. And he's like, well, everybody else is just walking in and out, letting them in. And they, like, I'm saying this to my shame again. Like, I'm not sure. bragging about it. I I want to get mad at my dad. Right. And like, I, I made a big old scene. I don't remember exactly what I said after he said something. And like, I grabbed the dog. I was like, fine, I'm leaving. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw him off the bridge because uh, they live not far from Rainbow Bridge. Okay. And uh, like, I, I made a big old scene. Like, I stormed out. I probably said some stuff I shouldn't have. And I just, I drove over the Rainbow Bridge into Beaumont, made a surf. I, I drove, like, everywhere. Yeah. Do you know where the Knife, well, it's not Knife River anymore. It's modern. Do you know where the Knife River concrete plant is in Bridge City? Like, right off of Cow you come over, like, the high school's here. You come over the Cow Bayou Bridge. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, they live back in there. Okay. And uh, so I was just, I was driving everywhere. And they're calling me, and I'm ignoring everything. And uh, I stayed gone for like two hours. Like this is the whole family together for Thanksgiving, and I did this. And I came back and I apologized, and my dad apologized too. But right. I mean, like you're, we were still family. Right, you're and, still family, and and you you work it out, you know. And mm-hmm. that's you know, so like. You're not always going to have everybody be happy with mm-hmm. each other. Family members are going to fight. And that's true in the church, too, right? Yeah. And that, I mean, that should be one of those things, right? Church membership, at least in evangelicalism, mm-hmm. is not, not serious. Yeah. It's, I'm just on the roll, and... I, I'm not. I'm not grounded here convictionally. Yeah. And so, I'm here until you make me mad. Mm-hmm. And you make me mad. You don't cater to my preferences. Whatever. I'll go somewhere else. Rather than saying I am going to be here with this body of believers unless providentially hindered mm-hmm. or taken elsewhere, or until the Lord comes back. Yeah. You know. I mean, if I somebody gets mad at at. First Baptist, you go to Second Baptist. Somebody gets mad at the Baptist yeah. church, they go to the Methodist yeah. church, um, right? I mean, and like that—that's another reason why I was struggling. Like that was so—I mean, there's a plethora of reasons why I didn't want to leave and why I did want to leave. One of the reasons though is because I mean, in the end, I do—I did consider these people brothers and right. sisters. Right. I mean, granted, there was probably a few I had my questions about sure but I mean I I'm not the judge I can't really say right. but uh, uh, being a simple man you, you make those those judgments sure and but anyway that's not the point I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to look like I'm just church hopping right and but I ne- needed to get out for sure sure and uh, I'm, I'm very happy where we're at now. Good. Well, you know, I think 
I think it would do most people some good if they went to a church that was not in their traditions. Mm-hmm. At least visit. Like, At least like, to visit one. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not saying okay, leave your okay. church and, and go join yeah. a different different tradition. I'm saying go visit them, mm-hmm. right? So because I, I hadn't visited a Lutheran church until after after I graduated seminary. Yeah. So um, come to find out, so one of my buddies up in uh, Missouri, he he grew up uh, LCMS. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up going to the church that he grew up in. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's a little, little Lutheran church out in Higginsville, Missouri. Went there, and, uh, like, I walked in, and the people could obviously tell, like, he looks like a lost dog. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah. hey, guys, I'm a, I'm a recent graduate of, of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I've never been to a Lutheran church. I just wanted to come and, and, and like, I had, a, I had a free Lord's Day, yeah. and I'm not tied anywhere, and so I, I wanted to come just, you know, like, as far as I could tell, you, you guys are brothers in the Lord, and I want to I see what you guys are about. And they're like, okay, cool, here, come over here, sit down, and, um, you know, and yeah, there's something to be learned, I think, from, yeah. from traditions that are not our own, mm-hmm. to realize that, like, there are legitimate brothers in Christ mm-hmm. that, that are in a different tradition than yeah. ours. And we can learn from them. Yeah, like, even though I never, the 10 years I was in a UMC church, never considered myself Wesleyan Methodist, right. anything remotely close to it. It was there that I got an appreciation of the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene right. Creed, right. confessions. I didn't agree with their confession. I don't think they held to it, honestly. They sure. had it, but right. uh, nobody was honestly bound to it. Right. Like, Pat, like Pat, they literally weren't pastors but it's there and um like I, it was there that i started getting just like okay if it looks and smells a little roman catholic that doesn't make it bad sure. and um because growing up the i'd heard of the creeds and stuff but sure. it just smelt roman catholic so i never cared about them and so like, I'm very thankful for each of the traditions that I've been a part of, even if I never claimed it. And, uh, but if you ever wanted to like visit our church, since we don't have a pastor, we go later. Mm-hmm. Where do we start later? Just when do you to get start? 1.30. Really? Mm-hmm. So if you ever wanted just to yeah, visit. Yeah, dude, I would I, See, I, that's why I asked if you had an evening service, because you guys had an evening mm-hmm. service. I did. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, just like, and I actually visited, uh, before we started here, I visited First Baptist Bridge City yeah. just because I, I love Keith and oh, yeah. I'm very thankful for everything, oh, no. I, the years I was under him. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, like we start at one thirty. and that's good to know. I'll, I'll hit you up. Mm-hmm. Let me put, let me look at my calendar real quick. I, I would love to come visit and just... Yeah, I know you want you're not going to join or anything, but just just yeah, just for the, you could compare the one that you've already visited, yeah. what you remember of it at least. Um, like we're very small, so they'll definitely notice. Maybe sometime after Thanksgiving, so because I'm end of the year's busy. I'm actually um, uh, Mark Blaylack over at oh, yeah. RBC. I think he's going to be out of town. Um, He's asked me to fill the pulpit um, oh, for really? evening service on the 19th. So probably after Thanksgiving sometime, I'll, I'll hit you up and um, 
I'll see if I can. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Uh, uh, I, I was I didn't know PCA would do that. That I was so when he texted me, I was I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that they would do that. But then also very very honored, very humbled that a that a, mm. a brother would would think highly enough of me yeah. to to welcome me into a, a, a church of a different tradition. Because mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I figured one of the. Uh, one of the ruling elders would feel him. You know, I don't, I don't know how they make that distinction. If ruling elders are not allowed to fill the pulpit, maybe I not. Know. I don't know either. So, I mean, I think. See, like, I think I, to fill the pulpit, you have to be a, a an ordained minister. And so, I think our PCA brothers will recognize mm-hmm. ordained ministers in other traditions insofar as they know them well enough. Mm-hmm. And so so I, from what I understand, I think I would be welcomed to fill a pulpit occasionally at a yeah. PCA church. I would not be authorized to administer the sacraments. Yeah, yeah, I figured uh, that at least. Uh, see, in the LCMS, at least in an Orthodox LCMS church, you have to be an LCMS guy. LCMS or affiliated, like so the AALC, like Jordan Cooper. Okay. Have you heard of him? I know I've I brought him name. up earlier. Uh, have you heard of uh, the Lutheran Answers podcast? I think so. What about? Uh, I might be wrong on him, but uh, Chris Roseboro. Have you heard of him? Heard of? I've heard of him. All right, so I, I think he might be AALC too. They're AALC? they're. Are they the? Amer- American Association, Association of Lutheran, Lutheran Churches? Churches, yes. See, it used to be uh, the Association of Lutheran Churches or something, and then uh, whenever it, they became part of the ELCA, the ELCA, the ones that wanted to remain conservative, right. they said that they couldn't use that name anymore. So they just, if I have it, the history okay. correct, they just added the A in front yeah. of it. And uh, but So we're in altar and pulpit fellowship with them. Okay. And then... There's some like in Canada and other countries that we are as well. Okay. I believe there's one in Australia at least. Anyway, so like they could come and fill in. Okay. Our elders can fill the pulpit. Okay. But I think it has to be at least how we've done it. It's always been a sermon written by the our pastor okay. so I don't I don't I might be wrong but I don't think the elders can pin their own pin sermon their own it has to okay. be from the pastor yeah. but I might be wrong on that part that's just how I've seen it done in my church okay it's neat yeah I mean it's it's interesting I mean it's you know again I think it speaks to learning from other traditions mm-hmm. on how they do things and, um, I think there are things that each tradition does well. Yeah. I think, I, you know, oh yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I think a, a hardened Presbyterian could visit a, a Lutheran church or a Baptist church and say, they do this well and we do not, and and or or vice versa, right? A, a yeah. Baptist can go, and I think we can learn from each other. Like I even think there's some stuff we can learn from some of these more evangelical. Oh, Amer- sure. Amer- I mean, granted, it would be hard to. Oh, we did. It would be. We'd have to change, but like, like as far as like the 
they're very open to just going out there and yeah. evangelizing essentially sure. I think there's a lot we can learn from that absolutely though it would be it would look different yes uh, coming from a a more reformed Baptist or a Presbyterian or Lutheran, Lutheran yeah. and but at, le- at least they got <laughs> that going for them. They just might be. Yeah. Uh, so their use of media, right? I think yeah. I think that's one way that that they excel. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not saying you know you need to have a, a, a Lutheran church or a Reformed church or a, or even a, a Southern Baptist church where you've got cameras all over the place, lights all over the place. Yeah. But but using media to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Lutheran Hour, that started before, like, Billy Graham. Yeah. But it was essentially kind of like the same thing. Yeah. It, it's an LCMS. Okay. And uh, it had a bigger outreach than I think it does now. Oh, cool. But but essentially, you know, like, Billy Graham was like, I'm going to use whatever means I can get a hold of to get it out there. And that's what Luther and I did back in the day. And that was before, before Billy Graham. And, uh, I think Eric might've been the same time as Billy Graham. I don't remember. Uh, just some Somebody bumping music. Bumping. <laughs> and, uh, that scared me. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, but it, it was interesting. I didn't know they, they did that. And, yeah. But they well, were like any, any radio station that would take them, they okay. would they'd be like, here there it is. Go. Or even like um, dispensationalists, mm-hmm. right? I think their use of um, visual aids, yeah. right? I mean, you think of like the flannel graph charts. Their use of charts, yeah. um, I think some of their stuff is imaginative, but um, and I say that lovingly, kindly, yeah. and, and, and jest partly, but, but the, the way that they use visual aids to help show hey, here's, here's how we are trying to communicate our ideas and yeah. point to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think many people could, could learn from that and, and even take, take a couple of notes from that, especially yeah. right when we're dealing with children. Mm-hmm. Um, right? I cannot expect a five-year-old to pick up Obadiah and just <laughs> yeah. read Obadiah and, and just... Right, it. right. You know, I, I need to be able to... to teach and and help my children to flourish and i say my children i don't actually have children but yeah, you know, yeah. Right, lord willing in the future but i need to be able to help these children flourish even from the prophet obadiah to, to flourish in christ and and you know if that's a picture book a chart a graph yeah you know i think we could we can we can utilize the good mm. in that uh yeah definitely um I know in the LCMS, the charts and stuff would be more in like a Sunday school type right, setting because right. we don't use, other than the artwork that's just already there right. in the in the church, yep. we don't use any visual, like no screen. I mean, there, there are the more modern ones that want right. to go contemporary will have it, but... But, but even you guys are doing, right, using visual aids to yeah. communicate something to to the people there, yeah. right? Everything is to meant to, to draw the eye, to point to, to Christ. Christ. Yeah. And uh, my t- particular congregation, it, nothing's ornate. We don't have, it's like, nothing's fancy ornate yeah. in there, but we do have a little bit of stained glass. We've got a... Uh, 
in the front behind the altar we've got just this a beautiful um stained glass cross and like in the center where where it crosses it looks like there's like a, a crown in it i don't know if that's intentional but i okay. i can see a, a crown yeah. in there uh, and then in the back behind our um our font is uh, uh is a dove okay and it, it it ain't very big but it's it's still very pretty it's beautiful and then like along the the pews is just i don't even know if it's true stained glass it don't look it it looks more painted yeah but it's supposed to be like just different colors and not really depicting anything and then uh my particular church doesn't have a crucifix some lcms churches will but we just have that one cross and then a cross sitting on the altar um have you ever been to first lutheran houston Mm -mm. this is i've only been to two lutheran churches saint john's in lake charles and then this one so uh first lutheran houston they're uh First of all, beautiful building, mm-hmm. um, and it, it definitely communicates. Right, I mean it's very simple, but but it's very beautiful, and it, it communicates something to you as an individual. Yeah, um, they, they're really good about hosting like debates and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I ended up going. Um, there was a debate uh, between uh, Dr. James White and some other guy. It was Calvinism versus Molinism. Oh yeah, went to that debate. It was interesting. Um, you know, and wow. these are you can I forget which way to swipe, so go this way, okay. And it'll be uh, now is this where's this at? This is St. John's in Lake Charles, St. John's in Lake Charles. Wow, okay. So here you have a stained glass with the sacraments yeah what's is that a seashell yeah that that represents baptism okay so explain this to me but right, I mean, so at least insofar as you can if, if i'm sure you can but. it's really just uh we got baptism okay baptism again and then this would be communion the lord's supper right. the host and the uh so eucharist or right have the bread yeah and then chalice the for the wine right body and blood right and then you just have the cross that ties it all together. Okay. Very cool. St. Mark, St. John, the Eagle, the Word. I've always loved the, the Lutheran, Lutheran Rose. Rose. They, uh, Beautiful. A couple of the guys, when they were building the sanctuary where we're at, um, wanted the Luther Rose on where that dove is at but uh when they were voting on it they now, lost to the dove. Is, is there symbol I'm, I'm assuming there's some there's a lot of symbolism oh, in that yes oh yes i wish i had the, i don't have it memorized okay uh and i wish i had i have a book that has it explained and i'm actually got the, yeah, you got, I saw got your the pen, pen. but from i mean what even I, even if you I'm sure there's symbolism and theology behind it. Even if you don't agree with it, I think we it's can all beautiful. acknowledge it's a beautiful. And the only thing I remember for sure what it means is 
the cross is black for a reason. Right. And the black represents our sin, and it's the cross is black is because that's where sin was killed. Right. And then uh, I think the heart is red not only because it's representing flesh, but also the blood. Right. And uh, but like the colors all. Yeah, it's sure. colored specifically yeah. too, and I've got a book. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you okay. when I get home. I should Love have it. brought it. Ooh, no, I think I might have it. I think I might have it. it they might have it included in this book. Okay, this is the Lutheranism 101 uh, handbook. Oh, cool. But it's uh, I don't know if like the actual book has it in it. I don't know if this does. I don't know if it would be in the back. If not, that's alright. I don't think it's in this one. Um, one thing I do want to... This is funny. They've got, At the beginning of every part, they have these little comics yeah. in this and uh, it says you know I don't have any trouble believing this is the actual body of Christ and then the Lutheran says that's good then they just kind of look kind of confused or something <laughs> and then it goes into the next one and he says but I do have trouble believing that it's actually bread because of what's what they use Right. I think that's hilarious <laughs> it's pretty good um, yeah so um, first Lutheran Houston don't know where they stand on, you know, as far as uh, affiliation with the uh, LCMS. Uh, but as far as um, beauty of the building, um, beautiful. I don't remember a whole lot of stained glass, but it was very simple, elegant. Yeah. Um, that communicated much with, with architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it alright I'm going to see if it's, it's who big. they're affiliated um, with I don't know exactly I looked into it once and it's been a while um, I went there again for a debate yeah. um, which they do they do a good job of hosting debates I don't know that they would agree with either side on um, but they, they do it for the sake of um, encouraging the discourse of, of theological ideas they even have a podcast they have a, they have theology on air Yeah. and then they, ha- they host an event um, at a local brewery, they call it Theology on Tap, and I think oh, it's once cool. a month. You can go and you can drink a beer with them, and they just they have essentially a roundtable discussion of theology. From what yeah. I understand, I could be wrong on that, but but they, they discuss theology while drinking beer, uh, which I think is Theology on Tap is a great name. Oh um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know why you just. I mean, I get Theology on Air, but I mean Theology on Tap is. Uh, That'd be a great name for a podcast in and of itself, you know. <laughs> yeah, I call this one Learning Lutheran, kind of like the, the whole yeah. uh, Clark Kent type of Lois Lane. Right, right. Hey, uh, there you go. Just the LL, whatever they call that. Yeah. I have to write an article for, uh, so uh, FBC Bridge City, we put out something every week, a uh, little publication. It's sent to church members. It's called The Bridge Builder, and I have to write an article for it, and so... Um, it only took me a little over a year to actually, like, yeah. entitle, like, have a name for my article. Because, like, um, like, Brother Keith says, BK's Corner, 
and then like mine just had youth minister over it and yeah. then worship director just has worship director and our secretary was like do you have a name for it i was like i don't i don't know so i finally i finally came up with uh mine's entitled comments from the peanut gallery yeah just because i mean it's a phrase that at least i thought previously was was commonplace yeah um, that everybody had understood at least older people tend to understand it right but i mean you know the peanut gallery was the cheap seats at the carnival and you know yeah. nobody wants your comments but and so it's it's essentially me saying like look this these are this is my two cents mm-hmm. right and you know if you disagree with me, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, I, comments from the peanut gallery, somebody can make a yeah. podcast, you can name it. Um, you know, if you want to give me a little bit of credit, hey, cool. If yeah. not, that's fine too. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything better. And so I just went with it because it was just yeah. what I was honestly trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, but that, that church you were talking about is part of, the North American Lutheran Church, which I don't know much. North American. I've heard of it, but I don't know anything NALC. about it. Uh, but they left the ELCA okay. uh, October 9th, 2011. Okay. And now, it said a, they left it a day after that. Apparently, the church caught on fire. Really? So I wonder if some people are like, oh, we shouldn't have left. And, but... Which I don't know anything about the. I just heard of it, but I don't know anything yeah. about the North American. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. Again, you know, if it's not the tradition you grew up in, you tend to not look into it too much. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very much in the dark about uh, Lutheran Lutheranism, Lutheran denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my. My buddy, I think he just followed you on Twitter. Um, oh yeah, he the, the, the Devin, Devin Mackler. Yeah. He, so he uh, he he grew up uh, LCMS. Oh so, okay. Um, he's Baptist now. He's he's a he would he would say he's a Reformed Baptist. Yeah, he's a 1689 Federalist guy. Um, and he, yeah. I talked to him the other day. He said he has fond memories in in mm-hmm. in the LCMS. Uh, he was actually able to contact his his old pastor, not too yeah. terribly long ago, and, and I think at least send him an email and thank him for for all that he did. Yeah, you know, and I think that that speaks well to be able to come to different conclusions, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a Baptist now. Yeah, and to still think highly of a brother in the Lord who, who's going to disagree with you on some, some pretty substantial things. Yeah, but to still think highly. of I think that speaks well. Yeah, I actually went to Keith whenever I was leaving the Methodist church. Yeah. And at this point, I would have already disagreed with him on stuff. I right. was, Even though I still wanted to be Baptist, but I was already questioning if I was Baptist uh-huh. at this point. But I went to him. I was like, hey, I'm not just trying to make this impossible checklist, am I? And uh, and he was like, no. Like I, like I, I, I knew he would, even though it's been a while, I knew he would be honest with me if right. if I if I should stay where I was at or yep. if he thought it would. And I was like, I know you're only getting my side of it, but I, I went to him and he was like, No, I think it's a. From what you're telling me, I think it's a good, good thing to leave. Right. And um. And so I mean, I'll, I'll always hold Keith in a very a high, high regard. Yeah, absolutely. And you know. And I I say always I. If. God forbid he did something that would sure. disqualify himself. But right, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, yeah. 
and I mean, you know, I have nothing negative to say about mm-hmm. it. Um, I think I think he and I have some some disagreements mm-hmm. um, theologically, but but they're not in so far right now in a place where where it would hinder me from st- like yeah I, I I knew coming into FBC this is going to be a, at minimum a typical FBC church yeah. so meaning probably dispensational whether mm-hmm. they know that term or not um, your deacons are not going to be a hard Baptist perspective mm-hmm. deacons versus elders um, and, and so on like yeah I knew that going in and so if if I ever come to a point where my convictions have changed I don't need to try to change the church. I need to lovingly say, hey, brothers, I love you. My convictions have changed. Mm-hmm. For the sake of your well-being, I will step away. Yeah. Right? I don't need to try to change the church. That's mm-hmm. that's not my place. I'm, you know, that's fine. Um, and so, you know, um, like, do I have some disagreements with Keith? Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate all the work that, that, that the Lord does mm-hmm. in and through him. I really do. Um, you know, would I do things differently mm-hmm. if I were in his shoes? Absolutely. But, you know, the same could be said about John MacArthur or Alistair Begg or yeah. name your guy, right? Like, do I do I appreciate Alistair Begg? Absolutely. Do I agree with a lot of what he says? Yes. Would I agree with him wholeheartedly? No. Mm-hmm. Would I do things differently if I were in his shoes? Yes. Yeah. You know, so th- I think you can say that about anybody, but we, we anyway, you know. Yeah. To be able to look, especially within a different tradition, though, like, to be able to look at a, a pastor, whether it's your former pastor or somebody else, and to think highly of them and to speak highly mm. of them, I think that speaks well mm-hmm. about the unity we have in Christ and, and seeing the work that the Lord does in his body as diverse as, as it is. Yeah. Even though we might come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we've hit. I definitely want to continue, but we've hit three hours, and yeah. uh, I'm sure you got other stuff to do. Yeah. Like, so I thought the they were going to be all, uh, at school, but they wound up being off today, which is oh, a whole. Yeah. So I need to get back home and all right. get with them. But this is definitely what happens when a level-headed Baptist with a Westminster Confession and a Lutheran walk into a coffee shop. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.